is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay. Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. We are the Sports Loudmouth. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Me and Speedy are back from our, I don't know, week vacation. It has been... Long and agonizing, to say the least. Uh, obviously, Speedy went, uh, I guess he went tent hunting or whatever the heck he did. <laughs> tent hunting, yes. Three different campsites in Maine, five different cities, so many different wharfs, so many different seafood, so many different types of fish. See, fish. Both consumed, fish. both consumed and seen. We're in whale watching, deep sea fishing, and a lot of different camping type things, and it was a lot of fun. And a lot of crazy encounters, especially for my mother, who does not like seafood at all, but all in all, very, very fun trip, very nature-oriented with a lot of great views, too, especially at Acadia National Park, which was a lot of fun. And then we went home and encountered a bear right across the street from our house. So that was an odd way to end the trip as well. Sounds like a good trip. Yes. Uh, I went to Tampa. I went to Florida, spent some time with uh, Brittany's uh, family, her father, her sister, uh, her new, uh, I guess, mother-in-law or whatever. I mean, not mother-in-law, I guess stepmother. So that was fun. We got a chance to sightsee. We saw our St. Petersburg. We we got a chance to go all over Florida, really enjoy the sights and and just enjoy it. It, it was uh, very hot, mm-hmm. uh, sweaty, disgusting. Uh, not a place that uh, I could see myself living. But uh, did it ever crack a hundred at any point? Or no, it was. I, I think it was like ninety five okay. one of the days. But it was really, really hot. It was very humid in, in certain St. Petersburg. When we went, uh, I think it was yesterday. It was so hot. It was a. It was like ninety three degrees, but it felt like it was a hundred and one. It was really just. Horrible and yeah. humid. I, I was just wondering because Monday it was close to 80 in Maine, so I couldn't imagine what it would have been in the south. And I'm sure it got to 100 in other parts of the country. It was 98 degrees yeah. last week here. Okay. That's what I heard. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. When we when we left, I think it was Thursday or Friday, it, we hit 98 or something like that. Mm. But, uh, um, you know, it, Long Island weather, you can't really understand. But uh, Florida weather at this time of year, it's only going to get hotter. And uh, where. Um, where Brittany's father lives in Hamasa, I think it's called. Uh, very interesting place. Very nice house. Uh, it was very nice to see him. I haven't seen him in a, in a while, almost three years. Wow. So uh, Brittany got the chance to see her father. It was it was great. I, I really had a good time. Uh, I needed to like clear my mind and, and, and really get back to work. It's it's different. New York and Florida are two different places. It's not something that I could say my, see myself living in the future, but you never know. I mean, there's certain parts of Florida that were very nice and very intriguing, and uh, uh, we got a chance to go to Clearwater. It was very the water was clear. Uh, just. Eating on the beach over there was really, really nice. It, it, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it definitely 
took you know my mind off of things and and to be back here I'm very happy to be back and and, and really uh, you know, entertain people and, and be here for sports. There's so much going on in sports, so much that we missed over the last past week, and uh, we will get into it uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, at 9.45, uh, we'll be talking to Sports Illustrated NBA reporter and insider Brett Siegel. He'll be joining us. And at 10.15, we'll be talking to ESPN Chattanooga radio host Greg Leonard. So he'll be joining us as well. So it'll be fun. It'll be a fun show um, as uh, we'll get into the Rangers. Enlightening uh, series right now. The Rangers are down one to nothing going into the second period. Uh, the Rangers up two to one. We'll get into that series and we'll talk about it. Uh, the Avalanche at advanced to the Stanley Cup Finals. Not surprising. I mean, uh, nobody thought Connor McDavid and that Edmonton Oilers team should have made it to the Western Conference Finals because of their goaltending problem. Smith was horrible in the series, uh, but uh, but the Avalanche have a lot of injuries and. Going whoever comes out of this series, the Rangers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the there could be an advantage for the Eastern Conference teams moving forward. Let's hope the Rangers get healthy. They've had a lot of injuries lately, too. So. I mean, the, the the number one goaltender for Colorado, Kepler, he could be out for a significant amount of time. And then losing uh, or the Nazim or whatever his Nazim name Kadri, is. Yep. Kod, Nazim Kadri. He's out. Uh, I heard his finger at surgery the other day. He's definitely out for this series. He might not be back I- I- until – Maybe the later later of the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, if it goes... halfway through the Stanley Cup is what the timetable seems to be because the Avalanche have eleven days off. So luckily for them, maybe they get it back earlier. But still, it's three or four seems like the timetable. So uh, the Avalanche fighting injury. So uh, hopefully they get healthy because I a, a lot of people believe the Avalanche are the favorites to win the whole thing. I mean the talent that they have. They arguably have the two best players in this year's playoffs. And and McKinnon and uh, who's the who's the kid the defenseman? I'm sorry, Cal McCarr. Cal, Cal McCarr, who has been fantastic in that series. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into the Avalanche, the Celtics, and the Warriors tied one one. Uh, both uh, I, I actually watched the first Celtics. Uh, Celtics coming back in the fourth quarter uh, in game number one. It was a fantastic. It really, I have to give the Celtics a lot of credit. They they have put just tremendous amount of pressure, tremendous amount of pressure on the Golden State Warriors. Even though Golden State came back in one game number two, I think this series could go seven games. But what, what did uh, Josh say over there? Cadre is out the rest of the playoffs. They said Lightning are winning the series. Mm. No, I I think I think the Rangers are going to win the series. Obviously, but we'll get into that in just a few moments. Uh, Aaron Donald gets a forty million per year contract uh, extension for I think two or three years. Mm-hmm. Last three years of his deal. Uh, yes, yeah, so he he's going to be making quarterback money. Not surprised that he's going to be making that kind of money. Uh, Angels fire Joe Madden after this twelve game losing streak. A surprise for everyone that Joe Madden is fired. Joe Girardi gets fired. Uh. uh where is Tyler Harrison on Joe Girardi right now? I mean, Joe Girardi, who should be the Yankees manager. By the way, the Yankees have the best record in baseball right now. So uh, I don't know where Tyler's hiding right now. I did see him wear uh, a Yankee jersey going to watch the Ranger game in game number two. So good job, Tyler. Good job. Maybe Tyler is locked into all the mansions that were closed that we were trying to go to. He's a, he's an idiot. <laughs> but whatever. What did he say? Uh Warriors look better in uh, seven of seven. eight quarters. Yeah. We'll, we'll Which get I didn't that. see. I didn't see much of those games, but I did see the comeback by the Celtics because we saw it. We were in an arcade that night, yep. and uh, 
we left we left the Warriors were up by like twelve at that point, yep. and and then the Celtics all of a sudden they just start surging. They had two big double digit runs. Uh, we'll get into the Celtics series because it, it's this to me what I've seen what the Celtics have done so far in this series is put a lot of pressure on Golden State on the perimeter, uh, and and even though Steph Curry has played well in both the games, he's been fantastic. Uh, some of the other players have not looked as good as we expected them to be, especially you know knocking off. Uh, you're knocking off. Uh, Whatchamacallit again in a second. Uh, you know, in the uh, Western Conference Finals, Dallas, so, Dallas in the Western Conference Finals, shut, shutting down Luka Doncic. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into that in just a few, a little later in the show, and and more charges brought against Deshaun Watson, including reports that the Texans were letting him use the team facility for these massages. So uh, we'll get into the whole Deshaun Watson. It just seems like it gets worse yeah. and worse and worse. But uh, what, what is he? What is Carl Jeff says? Uh, Jeff says was that a five X Yankee jersey? <laughs> I guess refer to Tyler. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah. Carl says Celtics will be great at the Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha, stained with takeout grease. Yeah. And Jeff says that is up to the refs. Yes. In reference to the Celtics. So let's get into the the Stanley Cup playoffs because it, it seems like it's a huge story. Ranger fans are just so excited, and and you should be if you're a Ranger fan right now. The Rangers are up two to nothing in this series. It looked like Tampa didn't know where the hell they were. Uh, they couldn't put the puck in the net. Uh, Shesterkin was fantastic as well as he was fantastic in, in the last three or four games of the Carolina series. He, he really brought it into this uh, Eastern Conference Finals with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who uh, absolutely shut down the Florida Panthers, one of the best offensive teams in the NHL. But what we have seen so far in the last game and a half is maybe the Rangers just lost their confidence. And and the Rangers had an early lead in, in, in game number three. They they scored the first goal, and, and it looked like Tampa just were lost. They were lost going all the way into the mid-second period in, in game number three. It just seemed like the Rangers had control in this series. They really did. And I, I, I don't know if game number three changed the, the avenue of where this series could go. But right now, I, I think the the thought is that the Tampa Bay Lightning have the advantage, and they're they're going to sweep home and home with the Rangers. Go back to Madison Square Garden and see where that goes. But I think what I've seen with the Rangers is that the Rangers have built confidence in the last two series. And yes, and I'll tell them, and we me, me and Jeff have spoken about this for the last couple of weeks. Uh, really last week, week and a half, that the Rangers have been very, very lucky. They've they knocked off a third-string goalie uh, with the Ming uh, over there with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then obviously knocking off Antti Ranta, who is a backup goalie. He had a fantastic first round against the Boston Bruins. He played very well in the Boston, Boston Bruins series, but then in the sec- against the New York Rangers, he looked like he was lost. But... I also see that the Rangers and their youngsters, that line with Capococco and Lafanier and their young center, it, it seems like that this line has figured things out. And the strength of the youth of this New York Ranger team has benefited the Rangers in this series against a more veteran-like Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, you look at the Lightning right now, and they have arguably the best defenseman in the NHL in Victor Hedman. 
They have a, a number one line with Kucherov and Stamkos, who are two of the NHL's best offensive talents that we've seen in the last 15 years. But not only that, going into this series, they were not healthy. And you saw that the Rangers built confidence in game number one to game number two. And even though Vasilevsky looked lost in game number one, absolutely looked lost yeah. in game one. And in game number two, as, this, as the, uh, the periods went by, especially at the end of the second period, going into the third periods, he looked even more burnt and lost. Now, there were stories coming out um, from the numbers and, and from the Rangers organization that the Rangers figured shooting towards the waffle side of Vasilevsky gives up 80% of his goals on the waffle side. So that's what Gerard Gallant wanted the Rangers to do was shoot towards his waffle side and, and, and obviously beat him on that side because it's been his weak side throughout the season. But really... I think Vasilevsky in the last two series, the last two games, has built confidence. And you, the Rangers do not want this kid, this guy, to become uh, confident in net because this guy has been a shutdown goalie year in and year out. He's been the best goalie in the NHL for the last six years. He's won the Venzina Trophy a couple of times. This guy has won back-to-back Stanley Cup championships, and he knows how to win, Speedy. Yeah, and he definitely looked lost in game one. I think the team, a lot of people were saying the team looked rusty as a whole, but I also think they didn't really come out, they didn't come out badly in game one. The Rangers came out a little better, but Vasilevsky definitely allowed uncharacteristic soft goals that we really only saw in the first game against Toronto, and it seemed like he recovered since then. The Rangers didn't have that many more scoring chances in the beginning than the Lightning did, but they were just able to get those tough, those softer goals that we didn't see them get in a lot of the time, and you would never expect anyone to get floor and never got them in any of their series against against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Vasilevsky definitely looked rusty in that first game. Now, I would say game two, he played struggled in the beginning, then played, I would say, battled through the third period to make it close. The Rangers still won game two, but kept it close. And then game three, he definitely looked a lot better after that 2 nothing lead. And I don't think either of the goals were really his fault either. And the Lightning were able to rally back, take advantage of a lot of the bad penalties the Rangers were taking in that game three and made that kind of thing work. Uh, Carl, to answer your question, Speedy is Panarin, the highest paid player in hockey. He's the fourth highest this year, making $12 million. Only Tyler Sagan, Eric Carlson, and Connor McDavid are making more right he's now. Been, he's been better. Better in this series. Panarin has been better in this series. He scored a couple of goals. He's put a little bit more pressure being on that number one line with Zabitajad and and, and Kreider. So I I think that what we've seen so far with the Rangers is the kid line has played very well. I mean, Adam Fox has been sensational. I mean, he has the most points out of any defenseman at this time of any playoff series in NHL history. So Adam Fox is turning into a super, superstar. And we knew how good Adam Fox was. We know how talented he is offensively. He's a good defensive mind, young kid. And, and we see the difference of what this team could do, especially what the Rangers could do when they get the the man advantage on the power play. So who do we have on the phone? Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, man? How are you, Errol? Uh, how are you, man? I'm sorry we didn't visit. I, I'm sorry we couldn't meet up. No, no, no. That's, yeah. that's fine. Once you decided you weren't going to go to the game, I sold the, yeah. the tickets. Thank you. And I, I appreciate I I appreciate the invitation. I know Brittany yeah. really wanted to go, and she's never been to a playoff game. So uh, we really oh, appreciate yeah. it. 
it's a zoo down there right now. It really is. But, mm-hmm. And and if it weren't for the price that I got for those tickets, I would be there to laugh in the face of every one of these mouth-breathing Ranger fans. These <laughs> Ranger fans, this is, they are incredibly stupid if they think this is even a good hockey team that they have, right? Like, this is the luckiest team in all of hockey that they get to play a, a third-string goalie and then have – Sidney Crosby out for two games. Then they get to play a backup goalie. Now they're playing Tampa without Braden Point. Everyone's on hospice care that they play, and they think they're a good team. Oh, we're so great. We beat all the backups. <laughs> this team stinks. I, and by the way, Josh, you're absolutely right. He did, he plays on the second line with Cobb and Strom. They took him off the first line after the first uh, the first series, uh, as bad as he played. So, yes, but, but Panarin has scored. He's done better in this series. Uh, the question is, uh, with all the money that this guy makes and, and what he has done you know, over the last, I would say, five to ten years in the playoffs. Now, he's a decent playoff player. When he was on the Blackhawks, he was very, very good. And one year with Columbus, too, when they upset yes. Tampa. Yes, but ever since he's come to the Rangers, he hasn't. Um, the Rangers haven't been in the playoffs much. But no. even when they made that round robin, and, and he didn't do very very well with the Rangers. And, and right. uh, again. And, and, he's yeah. not, and he's not really doing anything now. He's not really scoring or doing much no. himself either. And, and, and he's playing all backups. He's played all and third stringers. Yes, and 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 Sidney Crosby had to get a waiver to play Game Seven, right? Because he they were up three to one, and then Truba threw. <laughs> and we're back shot, to the waiver right? jokes again. Right? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> and they were up three to one, and Truba had to throw a dirty cheap shot, which was a a, a the principal point of contact was to the head. Did the league do anything? No, no, mm-hmm. and they should have. Right, and they should. Oh, I would have loved over. to see him suspended for Game Three. Then he wouldn't have taken three penalties. <laughs> well, I mean, Sidney Crosby didn't get hurt until Game Five. If Truva doesn't play, you know, Game Five, Game Six, right? Mm. Maybe they win that game. I know Truva's right? only had three like good games. But all Jeff, you, can, you <laughs> can't take a shot at the Rangers because the Rangers deserve every bit of being where no, they, they are don't. today. They're yeah. playing all backups. They're that's a, fine. They're a team. They're a team that's playing a hospital ICU. But that's unit. not. But that's not their fault. They're playing of whoever course, they're of playing. Of course it is. Of no. course it is. Did, did Truva take Sidney Crosby out with a cheap shot? Sure did. Yeah, but they didn't hurt. They they didn't hurt Jari. They didn't hurt him. I, no, but they're the they didn't hit Anderson. On, they didn't hit Anderson. The, they're the luckiest team on the face of the earth. Maybe and, 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 play and we've seen this before. The luckiest team, and now now they get a Tampa team that doesn't have Braden Point. Would, would Tampa be a better offensive team or a worse offensive team? Oh, if, they would be if, much if, better if offensive Point team. Would, right. So this is what I'm saying. So people are going, oh, they can't score goals. They're missing their second leading goal scorer. No, and Braden Point is a sensational young player. We've seen what he can do in the playoffs last year. He was sensational. You know, every Ranger fan on the planet would be shit in their depends if Zabinajad wasn't playing, right? They'd go, oh, this is unfair. We, we don't have Zabinajad. We'd win if we didn't have Zabinajad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They no, they would have been done against Carolina they, if they didn't have Zabinajad. Right. They would have all been doing it. Now they're playing shorthanded teams the entire time, and they struggle. This is the least deserving hockey team I've ever seen. And it's not going to matter anyways because Colorado's going to beat either of these teams. Absolutely. Colorado's terrific. I think Even Ka- without Nazem Kadri. Yeah, and Kadri might not be back for the rest of the playoffs. And, and yes. remember, they, they, they lost their starting goaltender. Now, obviously, 11 games of vacation could absolutely help Colorado, especially heal. But, uh, again, uh, we'll – what we've seen so far with 
with Colorado and Edmonton. It was an Edmonton Oiler team who played very well in the uh, Western Con- uh, the, the Western Conference semifinals. It's played very well, and and nobody thought they were going to get out of that series. And then Edmonton, they knocked off Kyle. Edmonton. Gar- Edmonton's going to be an absolute beast if they can find anybody to stop a single puck. If they they get, if they get to, it doesn't matter who, I don't care. You keep saying Varlamov, no one gives a shit. I don't care. Pad Speedy up and put him in net, (laughs) right? If, if Edmonton doesn't have to score nine goals a game, if they, they they just, they're going to win the whole thing for like the next decade, if that's the case. Well, they need goaltending. They do. And, 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 and also they, over the last couple of years, they have a very good young defenseman, but their defense is not strong. They're, they're... I, I hope Edmonton gets uh, Gorgiev. Georgiev? Gorgiev? Yeah. Oh, that'd be funny. But they they trade for Talbot seven years ago, then now they trade for another Ranger backup. Right. I, I hope they trade for him, Georgiev, and, and he becomes a Stanley Cup champion. He, that's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to him. Go to Edmonton. <laughs> it could happen because he's going to be a free agent this year, and okay. I don't see the Rangers bringing him back. So, And Ranger fans keep putting him down, saying that he's horrible. But uh, when when I've seen him play, especially against the Islanders, he beats the Islanders. He got better towards the end of the season, I'll say that. You know, I but, was critical. And now we've seen this before. The Rangers have their backup goalies. They get rid of them. They become great goalies other places. We've seen this before. The Rangers have also replenished backup goalies well even for themselves, though. Outside of Andre Pavlich, literally everyone else has come in. Talbot gets traded. They bring in Ronta after that. Then Ronta's gone. Then Georgiev comes in. He plays well the first couple of years. It was really only Andre Pavlich in between. And then even Kincaid for a little bit when after Ronta got traded. He played well in certain stretches right. as well. Uh, Carl said Rangers take, took advantage of their new look lines versus Tampa in games one and two. Lightning didn't get to see those lines in the regular season, and the ice cast on ESPN Plus is pretty sweet. You get an aerial view of the game. Also, shout out to John. I gotta check that out. I gotta check that out. Also, shout out to John from Sports Betting Weekly, who is watching our show now as well. Shout out to John. Yes, but uh, again, I mean, I mean, this Ranger team and their fans are the biggest group of bitches I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and the refs are completely helping them. Have you ever seen a team? Like, get more help. Like, they didn't even call a penalty on Truba for half of the stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. No, and, and listen, the Rangers have been very, very lucky throughout the playoffs. But you need to build luck. In, in, in professional sports, even in baseball, and even football, injuries definitely help out for teams to make it and go further in the playoffs. And in hockey, if you lose a goalie, if you lose a top-end offensive player or a defensive yeah. player, the advantage listen, definitely goes to them. Listen, do things like that happen? Sure, from time to time. Name another playoff run you've ever seen where the where consistently, basically, the three teams you play, their three best players are all hurt. Uh, Never happens. Never happens where every team you play, their best player is out. No, and and again, the Rangers have been very, very lucky, and and that again, I. Well, obviously, even with Edmonton, was Edmonton should Edmonton have made it to the Western Conference Finals? Probably yes, not. Amazing. Not Calgary. Calgary is an amazing team too. They're a very good team. No, and their goaltending was. Uh, who, they had one of the best young goaltenders in all of hockey. I don't know what happened to him in that series, but he completely bombed in that series. Markov. Right, so right, but but here's the problem with what people people do, right? Because it happens every year, and every year people choose to ignore this. What? What these teams have been built for, what Calgary was built for, what Florida was built for, Mm -hmm. was regular season hockey. Hockey becomes actual hockey instead of two-hand touch, Mm -hmm. right? Because they play two-hand touch in the regular season. You do anything. Oh, it's a penalty. Oh, all the rules go out the window in the playoffs, right? And and these these teams have, have built these teams for 
the regular season, which means zero toughness. Right. Calgary, Charmin soft. Charmin soft. Right? Like Florida, if 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 they had one guy on their team that fought all year, I'd be shocked. But you, <laughs> you say Charmin tough. Charmin. Charmin tough. Here's what I would say about this. Did you know that Calgary was one of the top five, top six hitting teams in the NHL? Uh, that's only because they had Milan Lucic on their team. You take, you look at the rest of those bums like Goudreau and those dudes. Soft. Well, M- Matthew soft. Kachuk is a hitter. Matthew Kachuk can Matthew Kachuk can play physical hockey. Yes, he can. He certainly can. Yeah. The rest of that team, soft. Maybe soft. You're, you might Finger be right, but you Finger might be right. Right, and and you need toughness up and down your lineup. You need gritty guys. Right? There's no grit to Florida. Do you think Aaron Eckblad is a tough person? No. no he's a figure skater. Uh, and again, I, listen, I, I think Florida, where Florida is, they're going to have to make a lot of decisions. They gave up a, a ton of picks for, obviously, Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is now a free agent, and he's probably not re-signing with Florida. Florida really thought that they were going to be a Stanley Cup competitive team this year. That's why they made a move like that. They gave up, what, two first-round draft picks? Or yeah, three? and other conditional picks, yeah. too. And for they're, Claude they're really close to the salary cap, too, which isn't going to help them even improve their defense. Outside of Ekblad and Wegar, they really don't have much on the and the depth, it was like the Rangers last year. They had to bring in a lot of the veteran guys to even just get it remotely comparable. And those guys did not play well against Tampa. Even against Washington, they had some duds too. And they just didn't look good all postseason. The Flames, they're supposed to be a good, tough team. That Daryl, They bring in Daryl Sutter for the playoff intensity, and they did not that look was, it. That was, by the way, the Avalanche, what the Avalanche did in the Western Conference Finals was very impressive. Very impressive. And anybody that doesn't think that that was impressive, they lost one of their best goal scorers, they lost their starting goaltender, and they shut down arguably one of the best, well, two of the best offensive players in all of hockey. In, in Obviously, Drysaddle and McDavid. And McDavid, even in the final game, in game number four, McDavid put on a show. He put on a show, but it doesn't matter if you score five, four, Six goals. If your goaltender couldn't stop a nosebleed, you're not going to win. And it, but that's the but that's the whole problem. You go back to the Calgary series, right? They were scoring eight, nine goals a game, and they had to because if they didn't, they lost. Which is exactly what happened with Colorado, mm-hmm. right? They didn't manage to win a game, but Edmonton was scoring. They what did they score? Did they score five or six times in that game? Four was it five or five. six? Five times. They lost six five. Right, right. So can you imagine? Hey, hey if, can you imagine going into the room? pre-game and going, hey guys, we don't give up six tonight. We win. <laughs> it is it's it's can it's, you imagine this game is one nothing right now, right? And we're all going, oh, one nothing. Like there's a hockey score. Can you imagine going up to Shesterkin and be like, dude, just don't give up six tonight. It's really amazing. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers scored uh they were leading the NHL playoffs <clears throat> in goal scoring. And they and it and even getting into the Western Conference Finals, where nobody thought they should have been there. Honestly, nobody did because they have no goaltending, and their defense have one great defenseman, and the rest of their defense, what do they have? Five okay defensemen. They have three like old guys. Yes. They have Evan Bouchard, who's a good young top ten pick type that could develop into something later. Darnell Nurse is great, but Nurse, again, yeah. everyone else is uh, like old guys from other teams. Tyson Berry's been bumped and, and, around and the Jeff league. And Jeff is yeah. right; they need goaltending. Yeah. They need goaltending in any off season. Uh, uh, they're going to have. There's a couple of good goalies that'll be available either in free agency or via trade, and they have to decide what they're going to do because 
if they don't find a goalie, they're going to have to break up Dreisaitl and McDavid because they they have been in the playoffs almost every single year since McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl have been on this team, and they still can't get over them. That's the first time they've been to the Western Conference Finals, and they got swept by the Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, right, but be, their problem is, yeah. but their problem is very clear. You can look at a team like Carolina and go. You got all these scores on your team, and you didn't you didn't put the puck in the net. We all know what Edmonton's problem was. It wasn't putting the puck in the net. You can't blame anybody else other than Mike Smith, dude. He gave up some really bad goals. He gave up a full ice goal score. What was it? Game number one. That was the game zone. three against, against the, the Flames or whatever. It was Flames. I, I I dare you to find another goal scored in the NHL from a team's own zone that wasn't on an empty net. No, the the only one I can remember was like half ice against Carolina. I forget who uh, who the team was that scored it against Cam Ward, like 2014 or something like that. Right, but this is right, but this is what I'm saying though is like you can't like Edmonton really is a great team and they're gritty. They they were terrible. They changed coaches. The new style turned things around. And if Mike Smith could stop a beach ball, (laughs) they they win. They win, dude. uh, Listen, you think it's funny. But it's true. Imagine going into the room before the game being like, dude, don't allow eight, and we win. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, it was like a baseball game. It wasn't a hockey game. It was a baseball game. You want to keep the goals out of the net. And, and, and the Edmonton Oilers, they scored a lot of goals but gave up a lot of goals. And their goals against in the, uh, in that series was a negative, more, less than a positive. And, yes, Carl, it was a fight. And you don't see a lot of those in the Stanley Cup playoffs anymore. So, uh, fantastic I like fight. Fra- I like Frank Petrano, former Bruin. Gritty, tough. But see, I'll shit on the Rangers for a lot of things, but not guys like Vetrano that aren't afraid to mix it up and get physical. And you need that. Teams like Calgary that just have figure skaters or teams like Carolina, a lot of figure skaters on Carolina, Florida, a lot of figures. You need some toughness on your team in the playoffs. Good for Vetrano for going in there and trying to mix it up. Jeff, it's actually funny you mentioned uh, Vetrano with the Bruins. There was actually a couple Bruins fans we were walking by before we went to one of the restaurants the last night in Maine, and they were saying how much they miss Frank Vetrano. Frank Vetrano is a very good player. Yeah, he's a. Here's the thing with Frank Frank Vetrano: is he a top line player? No, no. But he's a very good third liner. Yes, he is, he's and he's rotated it. He's rotated into certain lines too with the Rangers too. And actually, I think it was a big reason for the spark for a lot of guys that were either slumping or a lot of the young players at the end of the season. Don't you too. think the Florida Panthers were very pissed off trading him <laughs> at the trade deadline? I mean, seriously, they needed Vetrano. Go back and look. I swear to you, this is going to be true. Maybe you could find one team that's an outlier, right? But teams do not win Stanley Cups on their top two lines. Teams win Stanley Cups because of their bottom two lines. Yep, yep. And that's Tampa. Tampa did the last two years. Everyone's going to have a good top line. Everyone's going to have a Panarin, Zabinajad, Kreider kind of line, right? You look at Tampa. They got Stamkos, Kucherov, Braden Point. Is that any better or any worse than, than the Rangers? No, but every team has that kind. The Bruins, Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, maybe if they come back, who knows? But that's the way it has. But teams win because of depth. Go back and look at the Islanders last year. Did mm-hmm. the Islanders lose because they weren't as good up top? No, they just weren't four lines deep like Tampa was. Yeah, and that was a lot of those teams. Well, the Islanders later. were four lines deep, but they they were they had the best fourth line in all of they hockey. They just weren't, but they just weren't they weren't as, better. They, they weren't, weren't as good. As, they're number they one as good. Yeah. 
Their number one line wasn't better than the Tampa Bay number one line. That's right, why but, they lost. Right, but they were also better on the third and fourth lines. When you look at a guy like Yanni Gord, Yanni Gord is, right. was one of the if, – if Yanni Gord isn't the best third liner in the league, I don't know who is. No, Yanni Gord is a good player, and the, and the Islanders have the best fourth line in hockey. They have the best fourth line in hockey. It wasn't because of depth why the Islanders lost that series against Tampa. They they lost that that series against Tampa because uh, when it came down to goal scoring and fi- finding a way to score a goal, they just couldn't find one. And the Tampa's just better offensively sound. The Rangers are a good offensive team, and the Rangers are going to be able to score against Tampa. And that's why the Rangers have a better advantage in this series against Tampa. Not because of their defense, because even though I think they have played very well defensively, especially against this Tampa team in the first two games, I, I still think that Tampa is a better all-around, better defensive team. So, And they have the better defenseman. As good as Fox has been offensively, Victor Hedman is the best defenseman in this series, and it's not even an Might argument. Be the best defenseman in the league. Yeah, so there, there's no argument to that. But the, the right now, the reason why the Rangers are in this series is because the better goaltender is Shesterkin. That's why. It's not Vasilovsky. Who would have said that? Vasilovsky has been the best goalie in the yeah, league in the last listen, three they, or four they, years. They, they and by the way, game. Tampa uh, scores again. Tampa, uh, cuts her <clears throat> off. Yeah, but but here again, they they win this game and Vasilevsky pitches a shutout, mm-hmm. not for nothing. Who's to say that Vasilevsky isn't playing better? Okay, Shostakhin played better game one and game two. Well, Vasilevsky's been better lately. Mm. The one thing I'm annoyed at with game two, the way that even though the Rangers did win, I think the Ranger fans were kind of firing up Vasilevsky, though, too, by saying Igor's better, and I think he's played better since then, too. And the Ranger fans, I'm not going to say exclusively blame it. It's about to turn around eventually, and there was a little bit of a rust factor. And by the way, Kucherov has struggled in this series, okay? He's he's, he's been struggling in the series, and getting that goal might give him the confidence. This guy is one of the best prolific offensive players in the NHL. So, and when he finds the net, that gives Tampa even more confidence that By other way, guys can put how, the puck Look in at how net. rowdy that building is. You, too bad you didn't stay another day, Errol. Tampa, I know. great hockey city. I know. Great hockey city. I was city. there. Oh, uh, I underrated was there. hockey city. By the way, I got an opportunity to travel and go all over Tampa. I got to see the Buccaneers Stadium. I got to check out. Uh, tell, them, tell them what kind of cool city this is. It is, beautiful. It, is it is a beautiful city. It really is. It's too hot. It was very hot. It's it really hot. is. It, it's too much of a pussy. It's right now. <laughs> I, listen, I, I thought it was hot, man. Here's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was hot for you. Mm-hmm. It sure was. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you're because you got that thick blood, you're used to the cold weather. We yeah. you're down here a few years, your blood thins out. You go, This is beautiful. It is, it, it was beautiful. We it's a beautiful talking, town. We St. Petersburg's beautiful other, too, by the way. We were talking the other night, right? And yeah. I told you, Walk outside right now. Tell me it's not the most beautiful temperature at night when you're out walking around. It's unbelievable. It, it was, it was a beautiful night. I think it was like 70 degrees, 72 degrees, uh, and it was beautiful. And and I, I got to enjoy it. By the way, there's a lot of coyotes by uh, Brittany's father's house, and he has wow. a beautiful house. Uh, he has a beautiful house. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, at yeah. nighttime, he lives in the sticks. Yeah, but his, he has a beautiful house. He really did it really good. I got a chance to, to to every night to hang out in this hot tub. He has his own little like hot tub room mm. and he has a nice big screen TV. So I got to hang out and watch the, the games and, and just chill out. But uh, there's coyotes over there. So you have to be really, really careful at night because you don't you, you don't want to walk your dog. You don't want to walk and walk around the blocks because you these things the we didn't bring our dog, luckily. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you, you, dude, you're missing the whole thing. You mm. think the coyotes are bad? You think that's what's going to get you at night? Mm. Dude, gators hunt at night, bro. 
Yeah, but uh, there's snakes hunt at night here, and oh, there's a boy. lot of poisonous things down here. Yeah, but I, I, where he lives, there's like no water in that vicinity, so I, I haven't, I haven't seen, I didn't hear any gator sightings over there. He he says there's not, they haven't seen a gator sighting there for over a year. So, Bubba, uh, Bubba we're coming up on mating season too. They get super aggressive this time of year. Really? I, I have you seen a gator in the last couple of weeks? Oh, all the time. Really? What do you see again? Because when we were, oh. we were right. To, we actually traveled. We got, we went to like these like uh, little like lakes and stuff like that. We were trying to spot some gators in the water. We guaranteed see them. they were in there. Guaranteed they were in there. I'm sure guaranteed. they were in there. I wouldn't go swimming in them. <laughs> I wasn't going swimming. So she, I was, I wanted to go kayaking and she told me, she's like, there's no way in hell I'm going kayaking in any of those. Oh rooms. yeah. You should have taken her to Rainbow River. Rainbow River. What's Rainbow River? Dude, Rainbow River is like, I shit you not, like the clearest water on the planet. Where's that? On, it's uh, it's kind of near where you were. Mm. Kind of near where you were. Yeah, dude. It, I don't know, 20 minutes from where you were? Rainbow River. It's unbelievable, dude. Carl says, I see gators all the time. Assume anybody has a gator in Florida. Uh, I, I'm not saying, but... Oh, it, yeah. I'm glad Carl is here, by the way. <laughs> oh. Can we, give a, can we give a shout out to Michigan, who was just eliminated in baseball? <laughs> <laughs> What a what a tri- what a tradition they keep on go- you know keep on keeping on that Michigan tradition of just getting eliminated all the damn time <laughs> in just about everything. Poor Carl, hey, he, he he's uh, his alumni Michigan. Listen, I don't hate Michigan. I don't hate them as a school. They're a good football. No, team. how can how can you hate a team that, that a school that's that pathetic that doesn't ever do anything? <laughs> you can't hate them. They're just adorable. You're like, oh, that's cute. You guys think you play football. Well, again, Michigan, you could say whatever you want about them. They've they they made it to the final four with football. They made Did it they to win? the they went to the frozen four in hockey and Did they, they made it to they made it to the what are they what what is the, the playoffs for for baseball? I mean, that's not yeah, bad. Yeah, the college world series. That's not bad. Jeff, how many are left? No. I know I know they were in the They order. didn't win, Jeff, but they made it. I mean, just making it is something to say They're about full it. Games. How many are left they were left when they got eliminated? Uh, I think they're down to eight or ten, eight or twelve or something. Okay, I've only vaguely followed it on Twitter, just with some of the upsets that were happening. Yeah, I, I've I've watched a little bit of it, not much. I I I can't really follow it until like the end because baseball is so weird because it gets like zero coverage. So like there's kind of it's just the there, worst really. timing too because it starts right at like it starts right at the end of football season then goes into the NCAA tournament. So and then at the end of the season it's right now with the NHL and NBA playoffs. So right, yeah, it's just it's hard. Just I, I would want to follow more. We interviewed some coaches, but it just, it's very and the, hard. And the problem with it generally is there's no star power to it, right? right. Like just generally, because all the really great players just go pro right out of high school and they'll be in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find like a, a good example. Speedy, I'm sorry, this is going to hurt you. It's hard to find like a Kumar Rocker <laughs> that's still pitching in, in college. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like Kumar Rocker's, there's a, they're few and far between in college baseball. Yeah, are they still in Vanderbilt now with them, or 
Uh, no, I think they got knocked out too. They were one of the teams that got upset. Okay, I know there were a bunch of SEC teams that got upset. I didn't know. If By they the were way, I want to yeah. I want to congratulate one of the guys that's been on our show years and years ago. He was on my show about four years ago. Nick Vespi, who's been in the minor leagues for the Baltimore Orioles, just got called up about a week ago, and he's uh, he won his first major league game, getting called in uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays in extra innings and wins that game. So shout out to Nick Vespi, who we has been a fan of the show, a friend of the show, and uh, finally gets his call up and, and wins his first major league game. So shout out to him. So. Oh, can we give a shout out to the Red Sox for ending Joe Madden's career? <laughs> Carl says, great point, Jeff. Remember Brian Bickle for the Blackhawks third line physical dude? Yes. Nothing beats Ybor City. Snug says the Coyotes well, have Ybor. Oh. The Coyotes have been union have unionized and they are way more effective as of late. Uh, he's, Carl says they run in packs, by the way, and they're they're definitely dangerous. I don't care what anybody says, and they're fast. They're as more hell. afraid of you than you than you should be. Afraid. I don't know because I heard uh, last week before we came that somebody, uh, a man and his dog, got attacked by a bunch of coyotes. So yeah, uh, probably because he had a small dog and he was trying to save the small dog. <laughs> small dogs aren't worth saving. Coyotes are lunch and go home. Coyotes are fast and they have very sharp teeth, man. <laughs> I don't care. We heard a bunch of them at the first campsite. We didn't see any on, uh, in Maine. My mother actually encountered a skunk, though, and was worried. <laughs> <laughs> thank, God, thank God our dog wasn't on that tr- part of the trip. I could see your mom going crazy about a skunk. I couldn't see it. She claimed to see it. I, I couldn't see it at all, but we definitely smelled it. Yeah, maybe it was her. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Uh, Carl says, worst call in the eighth inning yesterday. Uh, go watch, Jeff. They uh, di- No, they, they definitely have a beef because that kid was definitely out at second definitely he stole a base the ump missed the call and just generally what happens the game basically turns on the next play which was what happened they they, the kid should have been called out it should have ended the inning it didn't and then on the next pitch louisville hit a two-run homer carl by the way (laughs) carl out obviously says hey jeff did you uh did you see Devin Tompkins at OTAs for the Bucks? Did you see that? No one gives a fuck about <laughs> Devin Tompkins. <laughs> Maybe Devin Tompkins can go work out with EJ Perry. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're stupid Devin Tompkins down to that low. Well, if he went to the Cowboys, it'd be a bigger story, wouldn't you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know a certain woodland creature that'd be sitting there for a gold jacket. <laughs> Snug says, I've seen people ride gators like surfboards. It's awesome. Well, I don't, hopefully those people stay alive. Uh, whatever happened to Kumar Rocker? Yes, he went back to school and is no longer with the Mets. Uh, shout out to the Red Sox for a one nothing shout out. Probably the only one they'll get this year. <laughs> there are coyotes over by my house. We see them all the time. The Roadrunners keep us safe. It's all good. I'm way more interested in EJ Perry, Snug says. <laughs> What is what is up with EJ Perry? Why is everybody? I see so many posts on Facebook about EJ Perry. EJ Perry's not All even right. going to make what the team. What percentage of those he's posts even, are from Nithin? He's he'll not even making team. Jacksonville. He'll make, he'll make that team. He'll make that team. Uh, they need a third stringer. They need a third stringer. Uh, I, I, I'm interested to see what happens to EJ Perry. Okay, because I can't see him making that team. And and by the way, Nithin, could you stop posting it, please? 
I don't want to hear it anymore about EJ Perry. When EJ Perry actually makes something and actually makes a, you know, a t- throws a touchdown in a regular football game, then we can talk about EJ Perry. I, I know you're in love with his sister or cousin, whatever the heck she is, but it, it doesn't mean that you have to brag about EJ Perry, who, by the way, didn't even get drafted. So that's all I got to say. I mean, I told you beforehand he wasn't. He's a chemistry student, not a football <laughs> <player>. <laughs> Jeff, call back. We got to get a guest. This whole thing, this whole thing has just been absolutely fugaze with him bringing up fugaze. AJ Perry. Oh, he could get drafted. Oh, he could go. Great. Antonio Brown could play football again. <laughs> Carl says it's Nithin covering the college softball world he series. He is actually, probably. I think he, he was covering lacrosse, girls lacrosse. And... <laughs> Stuck also what, says Nithin wants to date EJ Perry. You already have a correspondence. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea with Nithin. Stuck says Nithin is to EJ Perry as the beef is to Dak Prescott. He's funny, man. You, you, when you see him interview, it is funny when he goes to those live interviews, and he always finds the girls. He doesn't, he doesn't ask any of the coaches, the guys. It's always the girls, and he always asks me, did, did, "Have you, have you seen any pretty ladies?" I mean. Every time I talk to Nithin, it's it's pretty lady this and pretty lady that. So I don't know. Nithin is kind of like you know weird, but that's Nithin. All right, boys, enjoy. Talk to you soon, man. Yes. Talk to you soon. All right, two, uh, rain, uh, Tampa's up two nothing. Suck on it, Beav. Thank you, Jeff. I can't wait until uh, Beav's gonna call up one after this show. Uh, after after this game, I'm sure Beav is gonna call up this show and and make some kind of excuse. So. Just a, just a thought. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to Sports Illustrated NBA reporter and insider Brian. Uh, I'm sorry, Brett Siegel here on the Sports Lighthouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, you can call us. At 631-672-3108, we are the Sports Loudmouths. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, we got through hockey with Jeff, and why not get through basketball with our next guest? We are now talking to Sports Illustrated NBA reporter and insider, Brett Siegel. What's going on, Brett? Hey, happy to be, to be joining you guys again. How are you? Good. How are you doing? We're we're good, man. I remember the last time you were here, and uh, I absolutely were reading some of your posts and and following you on Facebook and and seeing what you've been posting on Twitter. Uh, really interesting stuff. And why don't we get into the playoffs and the NBA Finals? Which uh, the Celtics? Who would have thought the Celtics? versus the Golden State Warriors, two very talented teams, one really offensively sounded team, and then another top-end defensive talented team, one of the best defensive teams we've seen in a very, very long time. What are your thoughts after game number one, Golden State having the lead, 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, choke giving up a a, a huge lead with 10 minutes left, and, and really throwing away that game, and then coming back in game number two and shutting down the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I look back on game one and looking at the rest of the series and especially how game two played out, I'm surprised it's not Warriors 2-0 right now because they've looked really good defensively at times. The fourth quarter of game one, they did not look good defensively, but they didn't look good at all. They got outscored 40-16 to in that fourth quarter. And you, you just 
you just kind of shrug it off if you're the Warriors or a fan of the Warriors because what are you going to do if Al Horford and Derek White make 11 combined threes? Like, if you had bet on that, you're probably a millionaire right now mm-hmm. just because the chances of it happening are very slim. And we, we saw it. what happened the next game. Al Horford had two points. He had a goose egg going into halftime, I'm pretty sure. And he only made one basket the entire game after scoring 26 points in game one. So I think the story of the finals right now is the lack of consistency that the Boston Celtics have on offense. And, and they definitely have to be concerned. I mean, you can point to a bunch of different things and say, oh, Jason Tatum necessarily only had one good game and Jalen Brown has yet to get going. But you look at the opposite side. We, there's a guy named Clay Thompson that still hasn't gotten going yet for the Warriors. And if he gets going, it's game over because Steph Curry's looking like the finals MVP right now. Jordan Poole finally emerged in game two, looking like the young star that he's growing into be. Andrew Wiggins has been a two-way stud for the Warriors this entire playoff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're the Boston Celtics, you definitely have to be concerned with your lack of offensive production from Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford. So two uh, player of each team that you think is a big X factor based on what you've seen in the first two games of the finals going forward. Yeah. For the Celtics, it's, it's Jalen Brown. I mean, you, you look at the two guys at the top of the series right now, you have Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics. You have Stephen Curry for the golden state warriors. Who's going to be that third guy to really step up in this series and elevate their team because whoever takes that third spot, their team's most likely going to win this series. And so far, it's looked like it's been the Warriors. And you could throw a bunch of names into that number two spot. Kavon Looney has had a big impact for them. Andrew Wiggins. I mean, we, like I said, we're, we still yet to see Klay Thompson really emerge in this series. But for the Celtics, it, it needs to be Jalen Brown. He needs to look like the all-star talent that he is. And we saw glimpses of it in the first half of game two. He's got to sustain that for all 48 minutes of games three and four. Because if the Warriors win game three tomorrow night on Wednesday, and they go up 2-1 in this series – there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Celtics to defend home court because they have not looked good at home in the playoffs. And if they drop game four and the Warriors go back home three, one, I mean that you can pretty much put a bow on this series. There's not a chance that the Warriors would blow another three, one lead in the NBA finals. They've learned that lesson the hard way and against the Celtics. I mean, it's just the lack of offensive production there. Jalen Brown needs to be better and they need to be hitting those outside shots that they were hitting in game one to stand a chance, especially in a six or seven game series. We are talking to sports illustrated NBA reporter inside of Brett Siegel. Now, Brett, is there a reason why Jason Tatum, you know, he get, he disappears in certain games. This guy has been one of the best offensive players in the second half of the season. One of the reasons why the Boston Celtics were the number two seed going into the playoffs. Uh, he throughout the playoffs, I, uh, he would, he would, there were certain series that he'd just show up and play at the top of his game. And then there were games that he just disappeared. He'd score 12 points here or 15 points here. And he just, he's not the same player that we see throughout the regular season in the second half of the season. Is there a reason why Jason Tatum has not shown up in this series? Yes. And the reason is Andrew Wiggins. I I think Andrew Wiggins has done a really good job of defending him. And it's not just Wiggins either. It's Draymond Green. We've seen multiple times where Draymond Green has switched on to Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown out on the perimeter. And he's had a great impact in this series so far. The Celtics have had no answers for his defensive intensity. And they've tried to match it on the opposite side of Marcus Smart. But Marcus Smart has gone into some silly foul trouble. And when he's not making shots offensively, disappears himself. To answer your question with Jason Tatum disappearing, I think it's more of him trying to get others involved involved than it is him just not making shots. I mean, game one, yeah, he, he wasn't making shots, but game two, we saw what he was fully capable of doing in that first half. It looked like that he was going to go for 30 or 40 points in the game. Ultimately, the Celtics just slowed down on offense and they weren't able to get anything going against Golden State's stout defense in the second half. 
But Jason Tatum, it's not necessarily him that needs to appear in this series. I mean, you, you know what you're going to get from Jason Tatum, whether it's him dishing out assists or him scoring. It's those other guys. It's that secondary talent. Like I mentioned, Jalen Brown needs to get going on offense. Marcus Smart needs to be hitting shots from the perimeter because they just don't match up well with the Warriors on the offensive end of the floor. The Warriors have so many options that they can turn to. And they've, they've picked apart the Celtics defense so far in this series. They've looked good on offense, in my opinion. So it's really going to take a, a group effort for the Celtics offensively. And they're just really going to have to zone in and knock down some tough shots if, if they're going to wind up either winning one or both games at home. So what we've seen from the last two NBA finals, this series and then the Suns-Bucks last year, do you think, like home growing and then developing around certain stars is the way of the league now. Cause we've seen the super team era, try to make it work after LeBron did it. And those teams have started to die out. The Lakers struggling this year, the nets, the Clippers teams like that really starting to fade. Do you think it'll change the way of the philosophy of the league again? Yes and no. I think it depends on the market because you look at some teams like the Los Angeles markets, those are really attractive markets year in and year out for free agents. I mean, and the same thing with the New York teams, Brooklyn is going to be a very nice destination for some of these veteran players looking to hunt for championships. Even the Knicks, we've seen them be in the news for some big players in recent years. Maybe they haven't landed one yet, but it's coming. They're going to be landing an all-star type talent or making a trade for another all-star type talent within the next year or two based on the trajectory of how that organization is going. So I think it's a little bit of who is the franchise, who's the team, and what kind of market are they in? Because a team, and I'm just going to use this as an example, and I'm, I'm sure that we can touch on them a little bit because they got a lot of news going on, that's the Utah Jazz. They're a small market team, even though they've improved a lot over the last few years. And what's going on with them right now is a direct result of not being able to attract big-name free agents or get those big names in trades. They have Donovan Mitchell. They have Rudy Gobert. Those are homegrown talents that they drafted and that they have uh, they've produced into all-star type talents. So in an instance like the Jazz, yes, I think they have to build like that only because the market's not there for them to attract the other big names. But you look at teams like the Warriors, the Nets, the Lakers, the Clippers, they're always going to be in the market for big names, and they're always going to be in the championship conversation as long as they have the Kawhi Leonard or the LeBron James or the Stephen Currys in which other players around the league want to play with. Speaking of the Brooklyn Nets, um, obviously it's been a huge story right now with Kevin Durant. He's not getting along with, with team management, and uh, he could opt out of his contract this offseason. He has three years left on it. This is his opt-out season. He can opt out and go wherever he wants to go. Uh, nobody has heard from Kevin Durant in the last couple of weeks. He's really just doing what Kevin Durant does. Hides, and you know, if you want to talk to him, you want to see what he does, you got to go check out his Twitter or his six or seven Twitter accounts. Uh, who knows? Uh, and then Kyrie Irving uh, has come out and said that he wants a super max contract. He wants $245 million, and the Nets told him to go sit on it, really, because Kyrie Irving, you know, he can't stay healthy, or he's doing something on and off the, the court that kind of makes you shake your head. What are your thoughts to this Brooklyn Nets team? Obviously, with Kyrie Irving, do, do the Nets give him that extension? Or do the Nets part ways with him? And what's going on with Kevin Durant? Because nobody's heard of Ke heard from Kevin Durant in the last couple of weeks. To clarify Kevin Durant's contract situation, he did recently sign that contract extension. Yes. Kevin Durant is under contract mm -hmm. through the 2025-26 season, so he is going to be there. The question mark for the Brooklyn Nets right now is Kyrie Irving because he's the one that has the player option. He can opt out after this year. Uh, or in this offseason and become a free agent unrestricted. And there's no clarity on if the Nets plan to extend him long-term or if he even wants to be in Brooklyn long-term. I mean, it's been a really up and down year for him simply because of the whole uh, New York city vaccine mandates. And we, we all know Kyrie Irving's stance on it. 
and what happened this season with the Nets. I do think that they're going to want to keep him around because that's what they invested all this money for. They invested for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving from the start. This was even before they went out and got James Harden. It was mm-hmm. going to be Irving and Durant contending for championships. And we really have yet to see them play a full season together since they both signed there. So I think this upcoming year is huge for them, whether he opts into this contract without getting a contract extension in the offseason and just plays the year through before becoming an unrestricted free agent or whether or not they give him a big deal. I think this is the pivotal year for the Brooklyn Nets where they're going to have Irving, they're going to have Kevin Durant, and most importantly, surprisingly, they're going to have Ben Simmons. And I think that's a really big piece for them simply because Ben Simmons, when he's healthy, is a top 10, top five defender in the league simply because he can guard any position one through five and they can use him in many different roles. I mean, Ben Simmons is a really good ball handler. We, we all know what he, what he can't do scoring the ball. He can't shoot from outside the paint, but I think Steve Nash and the Nets are really going to put him in a position where he doesn't have to, because he has two of the best scores in the league next to him in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, just simply getting them the ball and being a, a guy that can go and crash the boards on both ends of the floor. He can defend at a high level. I think that's going to be his role. Somebody that can run pick and roll sets with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and it's really going to open up their offense, make them deadly, especially with Seth Curry and Joe Harris, two of the better shooters in the league out on the perimeter as well. So I really like how the Nets look. It's going to be interesting to see how they surround those guys with talent and especially if they bring back Bruce Brown, who is going to be a free agent this offseason. Hmm. So do you think it's it's realistic for them to be able to improve any more with the lack of draft picks that they have and really the depth that has been an issue for them in the past? And if the if the answer is no to that, what do you think the net, net ceiling is if everything goes to the best-case scenario of Kyrie actually playing games and Kevin Durant staying healthy? Well, the best case scenario is reaching the NBA finals. And I think that's definitely capable for them as long as those three all-stars stay healthy. They obviously need to get some bench depth. That, that's going to be a main concern for them. And they need to add some front court help because their front court was a mess with guys rotating in and out this year due to injury. But you look at the core of this roster with the guys I mentioned before, all healthy, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Right there, that, that's a championship starting five, in my opinion. I think it's very well balanced. I think that defensively, maybe it's a little bit of a liability. But if you can outscore the other team, I mean, you don't really need defense in that situation. So, And to answer your first question you asked of how they can fill out the rest of the roster and how the rest of this team will look, I think that it is a, an attractive market for them to uh, to improve. They're in a really good area in New York. It's a one of arguably the biggest market in professional sports. And because you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you're going to see a lot of these veteran players that are available on the market want to go there and play there because they see it as a championship contending team, much like we saw with the Lakers ahead of this season. Obviously they weren't a championship contending team this year, but a lot of those veteran guys wanted to join that team and they turned down some veterans to sign different ones. So I think that the Nets will have a good market. Um, It will be interesting to see how they handle their cap situation because they are going to be a tax paying team. And looking forward, the outlook of this franchise two, three, four years from now really depends on the 2022-23 season and whether or not they can prove that they can contend for a title. Because if they go to the playoffs again, losing the first or second round, I think you may see them try to take the franchise in a different direction, especially if they don't tie themselves down to a long-term contract with Irving. Yeah, Mr. Marshall, I'll be looking for a new job because uh, he traded away their future, just like uh, our old little friend over there before him. So we've seen this before. King did it, and that's why King doesn't have a job. And Marks might, Sean Marks might not have a job if, if this team doesn't figure things out because he traded away their future for James Harden. James Harden's now playing for Philadelphia. And you bring in Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has not been a likable player throughout the league. Uh, as you you know what Doc Rivers has said about him when it comes to practices. 
And then uh, you've heard some of the players that played with him uh, don't really like him either. So we'll see what he does with Brooklyn. As everybody knows, we are talking to Sports Illustrated NBA reporter and insider Brett Siegel. Brett, you were mentioning Donovan Mitchell. and There's a lot of stories coming out that Donovan has three destinations he would like to go and play for. Uh, the Knicks being one of them, Miami being another, and who's the other team? Uh, who's the other team? I think it was the Atlanta Dallas. Hawks. The Hawks. That's right, the Hawks. Now, your thoughts, uh, obviously the Knicks being the team that he grew up as a fan of. Uh, he's not a big fan of, obviously, uh, uh, some owner over there. Uh, but, uh, again, the Knicks have a significant amount of draft stock and obviously some good young players. And uh, Miami, who were really – Maybe a game a game away from being in the NBA Finals this year. Uh, I, I don't know about the Hawks. Even though the Hawks have some good young players, they could make a move for them. I, I think the Hawks are on the back burner. I think it's either Miami, New York, if he goes anywhere. And, and now that the coach was fired, um, or, or he stepped down, of course, uh, it could benefit uh, Utah keeping Donovan Mitchell. So what are your thoughts with this Donovan Mitchell situation? Yeah, so let's kind of just run through all the teams and just kind of touch on them a little bit of what's going on with them. Donovan Mitchell in Utah right now, the team has zero intention of trading Donovan Mitchell. Teams have reached out to them about wanting a trade and trying to pursue Donovan Mitchell, and they have not been responsive to any of them. That, and that's the Utah Jazz not being responsive to any trades. They want him to be the backbone of their franchise. They want to build around him long-term, and they mar- they're married to him long-term with that contract. And Donovan Mitchell hasn't requested out. He's not the type of person that wants to quit necessarily on his franchise, but this is a trying time for them. He was very fond of Quinn Snyder as their head coach. And we, there's been some turmoil within the organization, both front office wise and player wise. I mean, we saw it back in the bubble season when Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus and that did not sit well with Donovan Mitchell, given Rudy Gobert's antics beforehand, before testing positive. And there was a little bit of headbutting there. They mended the relationship in quotes and they moved on. And the following season, there were some questions with Donovan Mitchell and his ankle injury in the playoffs. And he sat out game one against the Memphis Grizzlies when he said he was ready to go. His doctor said he was ready to go. And the team said that, no, that he wasn't ready to go. So they batted heads there. And it's just been a lot of stuff piling up through the years that has started to, uh, to grow into some frustrations for Mitchell and uh, from, from knowing him and talking to him personally from when he was at Louisville and I was at Louisville and both of us being with the basketball team there, he, he is a guy that wants to build something special on his own. He, he wants to truly be a part of the Utah jazz franchise and turn them into a contending team. But can they really do so? Because Rudy Gobert has been a huge question mark for them. He's been a liability at times offensively. They have a lot of older assets. So it's going to be interesting to see how the front office conducts this coaching search and whether or not they give Donovan Mitchell involvement in it because he does want to be involved in it. He wants them to hire somebody that will fit long-term and help turn this franchise into the championship contender that they think they are. So now looking at the other teams, do the Knicks have a chance to get him? Absolutely. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has always been fond of the New York Knicks franchise, and I think that they definitely have assets to move, potentially Julius Randle. I don't think that they would move R.J. Barrett at all. I don't think they would move Obi Toppin or Emmanuel quickly. But if that's what it came down to for to get Donovan Mitchell, I think at the end of the day, Leon Rose and Scott Perry would potentially pull the trigger to bring in Mitchell, who kind of fits the timeline of an R.J. Barrett or, or an Obi Toppin, who are all young players, and Donovan Mitchell's been a proven multi-time all-star early on in his career, an elite-level score in this league. So I, I definitely think that in the future, it's on the table. And if things don't go well for Utah this this coming year in the 2022-23 season, I think he could absolutely request out. And the Knicks would definitely be on their radar. As for the Heat, 
I just don't see how they could make it work cap wise. Yeah. They're, they're married to a lot of the players that they have now at Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler right there. That's a hundred million dollars that you owe next year. So you, you, you can move contracts like Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson, but you're still going to be a tax paying team. And now you're getting rid of all your depth that carried you to the Eastern conference finals this year. So I don't necessarily know if they can get involved, but you never know if Pat Riley, he can absolutely do anything in this league. Yeah. When you look at the Atlanta Hawks though, Trey young is one of Donovan Mitchell's best friends. So that's why it's an attractive destination for him. They could team up and be arguably the best backcourt in the league. And they have assets to move around. They have a handful of draft picks. They have a handful of some young talents, a guy like DeAndre Hunter, John Collins could potentially be put in a trade. You have veterans like uh, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich. So I think the Hawks, it's a very outside chance to land Mitchell. But moving forward down the line, could we see him team up and play with Trey Young either in Atlanta or somewhere else? Absolutely. Those two are really tight friends, and I think that they could definitely uh, team up in the future. So I want to go back to what you were saying about Quinn Snyder, because a lot of these teams have been recently making these big coaching moves, guys that we thought of as top coaches that all of a sudden either like Brad Stevens taking front office positions, you have a case Dallas firing Rick Carlisle for Jason Kidd, and they go to the Western Conference Finals. So what does that say really about the landscape of coaching? It does it. Does it matter as much as it should, like it does in other sports? Or do you think there's a executive end to it more, like you're seeing with a team like the Celtics? It's definitely executive and more nowadays. And it's just because there's an emphasis on winning. These guys that are put in these front office positions, whether it's general manager, assistant general manager, the lead scouts, they're all put on a, on a clock. The, the clock's wound up and they have a time limit to get their team going. And right now, if you ask me, I'd personally say for each organization, they got like a three or four year building period to try and turn things around. And if they don't, the owners get frustrated, they move on and clean house. So when you look at the coaches, they're the first guy that's going to get all the blame. And and rightfully so for some situations, they should get the blame. But the general managers are asked by the owners to make rash, quick decisions. And if things aren't going well, guess what? It's on the general manager and the general manager, general managers are going to try to put it put the blame on someone else. That way they can keep their job. So putting the blame on the coach, they bring in a new head coach, maybe things turn around and all of a sudden they look like a candidate for executive of the year or GM of the year. So I, I definitely think that this is something that we've seen from the front office and up uh, in terms of all the coaches moving around. But at the end of the day, the NBA is a business and this business revolves around winning. And, and some teams, it just hasn't happened over the years. And with the Utah Jazz for Quinn Snyder, I don't necessarily think they were going to fire him. I, he's been a beloved coach there and players love playing for him. Management really likes him. But for him, I think it was a lot of things growing at once within the organization. You have all this trade chatter going on this offseason and them kind of taking a step back as a franchise where they were the one seed in the West last year, had that disappointing loss to the Clippers after being up 2-0. Then this year they lose to Luka Doncic and the Mavericks in the first round. So I think that he needs a break. He's taken the year off to clear his mind and he'll come back and probably be a very big league candidate to take over the San Antonio Spurs job when Greg Popovich retires. As everybody knows, we are talking to Sports Illustrated NBA reporter and insider Brett Siegel. Last question for us before we let you go, Brett. Uh, this offseason, obviously the NBA draft, uh, some of the free agents. This is not a, a big offseason for NBA free agents. I mean, Zach Levine is going to be available. I, I heard he's going to go interview with the Lakers. I don't know how the Lakers are going to pull that one off unless they get rid of Russell Westbrook. But there are quite a few teams that he's interested in playing for, Dallas being another uh, team. Where do you think Zach Levine goes? Because it doesn't seem like he's going back to Chicago. And uh, what do you think could happen this offseason that could really change the 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 sides, uh, you know, the strengths of some of these Eastern and Western Conference teams for next year. 
Yeah, Zach Levine's situation is very interesting because while he has said that he is open to staying in Chicago and he, he likes the franchise, he likes playing with the Bulls and DeMar DeRozan and what they build this year, he's also said that he's never been a free agent before and he wants to have that experience of teams bringing him out to the steakhouse and sitting down with him and having these free agent discussions of this is what we're offering you, this is what our future looks like, and really thinking about his future because Zach Levine is in the prime of his career He's a, a couple-time all-star now, and he's playing some of the best basketball of his career. So this is a pivotal time for him to make a decision and figure out where his future lies in this league and whether or not he wants to go the chasing rings route or if he wants to build something special. Ultimately, I think he is going to stay in Chicago, but I don't think it's going to be a decision that's made within the first few days of free agency. I think he's really going to take his time with this. He's going to take that first week or so to lay down all of his options, hear them all out. And at the end of the day, I think he's just kind of using this as a ploy to get what he wants from the Chicago Bulls and for them to ensure him the amount of money that he deserves. And I think that they're in a good place as a franchise. You look at what they have with the three all-stars, Levine, DeRozan, Buzovic. I think they need to add a couple more bench talents, maybe move on from Nikola Vuzovic at the trade deadline or after this year if things don't work out. But, I mean, Levine and DeRozan, those two are definitely guys that you can build around to build a championship contender in the Eastern Conference. You just need to figure out your identity. Are they going to be a good offensive team or are they going to be a good defensive team? Because at times it seemed like that they they were either one or the other and they didn't really figure out where they were going this season. Injuries played a big part in that. Getting Lonzo Ball back will be critical for them because he played a really key role early on in the season. Alex Caruso wasn't really healthy this year. And then you had guys in and out because they got hit hard by COVID. So I think the, the next season for the Chicago Bulls is going to be interesting. And it's just going to be all about that secondary talent that they bring in around Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, and we're definitely going to get you on again. You, the inside stuff, the, the inside scoop of the NBA is is definitely your forte, and we really appreciate you joining us. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Absolutely, it's at Brett Siegel S I E G E L NBA on Twitter, and you can follow my work and all of our work at Sports Illustrated Fast Break on Fan Nation. It's covered everything from topics going along, going around the league, like who tweeted what or who's wearing what to the game and betting stuff, all the way to my inside analysis of and daily pieces and weekly pieces of stuff that's going on around the league, like the Utah Jazz situation with Donovan Mitchell. We're going to have a lot of content coming up with the draft, myself doing uh, my big boards and mock drafts coming up over the next two weeks. And then the draft, of course, will have all the inside scoops on that. And then right after the draft, we got free agency and summer league. So it's definitely a busy time. And if you're a fan of the NBA right now, it's probably one. It's probably like Christmas in July for you. Well, I've been following everything that you've been doing. You're a great writer and uh, keep up the good work. And we'll have you on very, very soon again, man. Do what you do best. And that's uh, get out your NBA scoop, man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Errol and Speedy. As everybody knows, we were talking to Sports Illustrated NBA reporter insider Brett Siegel. When we come back, a new guest. A new reporting guest uh, as uh, an ESPN radio show host. We will be talking to Chattanooga's radio show host, Greg Leonard, here on the Sports Lineouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. As you know... This is the Sports Loudmouths. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
We were just talking to Sports Illustrated NBA reporter insider Brett Siegel, giving us all the information we needed to know about the NBA. And why not bring in an ESPN host, Greg Lernard? What's going on, Greg? How are you? I'm pretty good, guys. How you doing tonight? We're good, man. And I, I pronounced your last name a little bit wrong, so Speedy uh, corrected <laughs> me. But uh, I'm not very good with last names, so that's just... okay. It's it's very easy. All you have to do is break it up into two parts: lar and then nerd. <laughs> You've got it. Lar nerd. Lar nerd. Emphasis on the nerd for sure. Did you get a Did you get attacked at that? You know what your last name when you were a kid. Well, that's the thing. Like nobody could say it right, so nobody really knew. Like the, it, again, it's that easy. Like I'd heard lanyard, lanerd, learnerd, larn. Like it's just I've heard all the variations. So I didn't get attacked as much as people just continued pronouncing it wrong. Well, again, uh, my name is Errol, and uh, people know, didn't know how to pronounce my name, so they called me E Biggie, or they just tried to figure out something silly, so they called me Egg Roll. So purple, purple <laughs> for the win. I, I mean, or purple, purple, whatever the heck they call me. I mean. Obviously, whatever works, whatever works. And as you know, that's I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't didn't care what anybody called me. You can call me idiot, dumbass. It doesn't matter to me. As long if I turn around and answer to it, then it's obviously means something to them. So there you go. All right, dumbass. Let's get going. Let's go. As everybody knows, (laughs) (laughs) as everybody knows, we are talking to ESPN Chattanooga radio show host Greg Larnard. So there you go. Anyway, so why don't we get into some baseball conversation? Because Speedy told me you're a private Mets fan. Okay. Uh, It's hard to really hide my Mets fandom, especially being on a Braves Airwaves. I have to, as an affiliate uh, of the Braves at ESPN Chattanooga, I have to conceal it a little bit. I try my best to conceal it. But, you know, of course, it spills out. I I, I can't help myself. Mm. Just... All the misery that we've gone through for yeah. so many years, and I try to be as unbiased as I possibly can. But yes, I am a huge Mets fan. Uh, you know, I try to pay attention to the games every single night. Um, you know, I don't have Bally Sports Southeast around here <laughs> blackouts, and you know, I don't. I'm too cheap for cable. They don't pay me enough. I can to, help to, you. To get I can help you with that. We have to talk off air. I can actually okay. help you with that. But uh, all right, that's a whole that's a whole another thing. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But well, you uh, know what I you know what I realized is that I was down in the gym before I was hanging with you guys here <laughs> on the uh, on the show, and you know I'm flipping flipping through the channels, just seeing what's on after the other guy that was watching something in the gym got out of there, and uh, they actually had Valley Sports Southeast down there. So I was like, okay, well. Maybe I go down there, get away from the girl a little bit every once in a while, and sneak down to the gym and, and watch the game. Well, there you go. So you can hide over there, go on a treadmill or the elliptical, and watch yourself a, a little Mets. You know. Uh, by the way, there's well, there's nothing bad well, to say about the Mets. By the way. So. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about like watching, trying to find. I have ways to watch the Mets. Like I, I, my dad pays for the. MLB at at you know at bat subscription. Right. So I watch the Mets. I have the Mets stuff. I can't get the Braves stuff. I got gotcha. you. So I got gotcha. you. You know when I have to talk about it on the air on my show, it's a little difficult. You know, kind of going back and I have to rewatch the highlights and mm. the box score and read articles and things like that just to kind of get a sense for what went on the night before. So what are your thoughts with the Mets right now? I mean, obviously they're getting timely hitting. Pete Alonso is becoming a superstar. Lindor looks like. Uh, he's the player that we didn't see last year. Now all of a sudden he's becoming that shortstop superstar that we believe that he was coming from Cleveland, getting that $340 million contract. And then how about Brendan Nimmo, who looks like he could be the starting all-star center fielder of the all-star National League team. What are, what are your thoughts of this Mets team, even without Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer? I know it's been wild that uh, you miss those two guys. And don't forget Tyler McGill, who's mm-hmm. been – 
yep. who pitched really well to begin the season, filling in for DeGrom. But yeah, missing those three guys, top of your rotation, is obviously very difficult. But something you said, Ariel, is that it goes to the lineup. And I think it really stems from the, the, the change in philosophy that Eric Chavez has brought with this new regime of the coaching staff of less analytics, less pressure, more free-flowing, and more just, it almost seems like aggressiveness, that they're not going up there thinking. It's like, okay, let, let's let our abilities do our talking for us. Let's have a game plan when we get up there, but let's not be too analytical about it. It just seems like they're going up there, putting together terrific and quality at-bats, getting on base, working pitchers. And I was watching the game last night where they were talking about uh, you know Blake Snell and getting in his head and making him throw a bunch of pitches, and that's exactly what they did. And I don't think we saw that once all of last season with the at-bats that they put together, quality at-bats, things like that. And Lindor, as you mentioned, he's feeling more comfortable. Pete Alonso is getting back to what we saw a couple of years ago in 2019 when he had the 50-plus home runs. And everything just seems to fit. I love the fits of Mark Hanna. I wasn't sure about, about Mark Hanna when they first got him. I'm thinking, you know, this guy seems like a part-time player. I'm not so sure, if, you know, filling in for, for Michael Conforto. I loved Michael Conforto. And he's been great. I mean, his bat-to-ball skills are very underrated. He gets on base. He's not a flashy player, but he's just a good, solid baseball player. Uh, I mean, there's just quality up and down the lineup. And I think it's just been a big change of philosophy and mindset and attitude. And that's been brought by Buck Walter, Eric Chavez, and all the rest of the coaches that have been brought on here to sort of change the culture uh, within this Mets organization, as you know, is not been good over the last <laughs> however many yeah. years. So one of the bigger surprises a couple of weeks ago was that they demoted Dominic Smith to AAA. Obviously, they have a lot of hitting depth with this current team, but still definitely surprising considering his defensive prowess and the power that he can bring. So what do you think are the biggest reasons for that now? Is it just too much talent? Are they trying to move him? What do you think? I really just think it's they want to get him some at-bats. He wasn't really getting a lot of opportunities at the major league level. They had a lot of other guys that were hitting the baseball well. I mean, you talk about you know Plummer, who was playing in left for a little while there. He was hitting well. Uh, Jankowski was getting opportunities there to play because of his defense and his speed and things like that. And then J.D. Davis. And it just seemed like there was a bit of a log jam there behind uh, Pete Alonso and some of the other outfielders and things like that. And he really wasn't hitting all that much. So I think they value Dom. I think it's a sort of step one step back to take two steps forward. I still believe that they see him as a part of this future for the New York Mets here going forward. And you know, the first thing that I thought of when I saw Dom Smith got, got sent down was the first thought in my mind being an old school Mets fan was Steve Traxel back in the day, got <laughs> sent down at yeah. one point and you know, he was an established pitcher and kind of felt like a little bit of a slap in the face, I'm sure, but he took it to heart and he went down to the minor leagues. He worked, he worked, he worked. And when he came back, he was great. And I expect nothing less uh, from Dom Smith, Smith as well, just following his career and, and knowing the type of person and player that he is. As everybody knows, we are talking to sports. Uh, I'm sorry. We are talking to ESPN Chattanooga radio show host Greg Larnard. I almost used the Sports Illustrated thing. It's crazy. But uh, anyways, it's a lot. I, I, I just came back. I just flew home for this show from Tampa. Wow. I, I've been in Florida for a week, and my mom's actually you know, uh, dealing with a lot of stuff too. So I went over there for vacation because I had – I had tickets. I had it all planned. And my mom's over here. She's in a home right now. Uh, she Oof, has an infection in her bone. No, it's, it's you know, we're, we're, I, my family's, you know, going through all these different things that are going on. So 
Uh, but I'm happy to be here because it gets your mind off of things. Always with sports and media, you, you you try to get away from all the stuff that's going on in your life. So we're, we're, I'm actually very happy to be here. But getting back to the Mets, Brandon Nimmo has been fantastic all season. And right now, if you were to tell me going into the season that Brandon Nimmo would be one of the top five center fielders in baseball right now, I would think you were nuts. What are your thoughts with Brendan Nimmo and what he's done this season? I love Nims, man. He just gets on base. He's a he's a hard worker. He's somebody who, when I played after I got done playing in college in terms of college baseball, I was sort of a, a length in the lineup type of guy in terms of you know my college days, and I didn't always start all the time and you know whatnot. But when I got an opportunity to play after college, and I played just like an old man league and things like that. I I loved hitting first or second, and I loved being that leadoff hitter and kind of setting the tone and working counts and things like that. So I really have an appreciation for what Brandon Nimmo does at the top of that lineup with getting on base, working counts, um, just getting base hits and working hard. And you know I know he's sort of a pincushion at this point with with all the, the the injuries that he has where he's getting hit on the hand and the wrist and he's had neck issues in the past I just really hope that Brandon Nimmo can stay healthy because if we get a full season of Brandon Nimmo like you mentioned he has a very good opportunity to be one of the best center fielders in the league um at this point and he's just the, the kind of the straw that serves the drink for the Mets when he's going it seems like their lineup is going as well and He's been awesome for this team, and it's uh, it's been fun to watch his growth and his maturity. And they showed a picture of uh, his first time in 2011 last night when he came to City Field mm-hmm. for the first time, and uh, just baby faced, 19 years old. I mean, he's grown so much, and I can't I, I can't sit here and say that I thought this was going to happen with Brandon Nimmo. I thought there were some other prospects that maybe would have had higher ceilings than him, but I'm really glad to see that he's kind of kind of grown into that role and grown into the leader and the leadoff hitter that he's uh, that he's become. And he's, he's worked his way into that opportunity. I'm happy for him. So the approach of the managing these two pitching injuries, and you mentioned McGill as well. So we've seen a lot of these starters having, having to pitch for length more often than we've seen before with Carrasco, especially Bassett. Even though he struggled at the last couple starts, has still pitched very well. So what do you think should be the approach going forward with both dealing with it with what the current roster has and also potentially looming towards the trade deadline too, because we've seen some veteran relief pitchers do well in certain spots and then struggle at points during the year. Like you're talking about the starting rotation or just the pitching, just the pitching in general, because a lot of times they've had to use starters and switch them off from yeah. the bullpen. too. yeah, no, you're not wrong about that. And just sort of status quo with, you know, how well they're playing right now. And um, if they get to the deadline and there is a need to be had, whether it's a starter reliever or anything along those lines, you know Uncle Steve is going to go out there and get it. <laughs> Whatever they need, he is going to open up the pocketbook, as they say, and he is going to go get an arm. Mm. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. The way that this team has been pitching and playing the game of baseball, whatever they need, he's shown them that, like, look, we can do this. If we need some reinforcements, I mean, we, you saw in the National League what Alex Tentopoulos did for the Braves last year. Uncle Stevie will do whatever needs to be done to uh, get this team to where it needs to be. If DeGrom isn't fully healthy or Scherzer isn't fully healthy at the trade deadline and they're feeling a little iffy because they're not going to do anything without Scherzer or uh, or DeGrom. I mean, I, I can't see this team making a World Series run without either of them in the rotation. Maybe if they have at least one of them, I, I could see them making some sort of a run. But if they're both still struggling and they both can't get back and they're not healthy, it wouldn't surprise me for Steve Cohen to go out there and make some sort of a big splash move at the deadline to bring in 
a big name starting pitcher to kind of fill that void. I don't know if they're going to be able to get back. I know Scherzer's up there in age. The Grom has dealt with some injuries over the last couple of years. So I'm confident that something will get done. And then, you know, whether it's start or reliever or anything like that, because I do think there's some holes in the bullpen as well, specifically before Edwin Diaz. Seth Lugo hasn't looked as good as he had been in, in years past. So I think there may be a need for a setup man there. Uh, Trevor May has not been impressive since he's come here uh, as as a Mets guy, but I'm hoping he can get back and and, and come back from injury and, and be okay. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I fully expect them to go out and make a move if it's necessary at the trade deadline. Greg, there's another team in Chattanooga you talk about and, and a team that you follow, and that's the Atlanta Braves, a team that really started off slow this year, uh, bad pitching, and, and, and really uh, losing a guy like Friedman, who a lot of people thought was the, the face of the organization, the face of the franchise. We've heard so many different people say that he walked out of the Atlanta Braves when they wanted him back. And then they bring in Matt Olson. He started off very strong. He's starting to play a little bit better. Ozuna just came back. He's hot right now. They're on a six-game winning streak. What are your thoughts of Atlanta getting hot as, as they have in the last couple of weeks? And where do you see this team going in the second half of the season after the All-Star break? This is a team that's that you know they're not going to give up and they're not going to die uh, for sure. And if they can just hang around, look, I've I've, I've around here in Chattanooga, I've I've been a lot, around a lot of Braves fans, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, they're all very positive and obviously coming off the high of winning a World Series and things like that. And uh, obviously, yeah, losing Freddie Freeman was a big blow, but getting back Ronald Acuna Jr. and getting him healthy has been huge and and they still have a lot of really nice pieces there. And and I think, look, everybody was disappointed to lose Freddie, but in the same token that they were able to get a guy like Matt Olson back, I think is sort of eased that, that blow to them. Obviously Freddie is, you know, an all time great brave or or Mm -hmm. could have been at the very least. I mean, we could have been talking about him. Like we talk about Chipper Jones Mm -hmm. or, as I like to call him, Larry Jones, but um, <laughs> um, you know they, they've done a really good job. And and but the thing that sort of scares me is that Charlie Morton really hasn't looked great. There hasn't looked good yet this season. He struggled a little bit out of the gate last year and was able to you know right the ship and find it. As was Max Freed, and um, he just hasn't turned it around yet. I know Charlie's a, a veteran and 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 he still throws the ball hard and things like that, but. He's got to work on some consistency, and, and, and I hope he can get back and, and get a little bit more consistent and, and sharp. But Kyle Wright has been also impressive as well in that, uh, in that starting role. And the bullpen, I know they're missing a couple of pieces right now. And, uh, you know, the thing that sort of scares me about that bullpen is Kenley Jansen's like 36 years old as the closer. Mm-hmm. Will Smith clearly doesn't like being the setup man. He struggled a little bit this year. Um, so the back end of that bullpen scares me, but again, if they are within contention, you know, there's a lot of playoff spots up for grabs now in major league baseball. I wholeheartedly believe that Alex Anthopoulos will do whatever he needs to do in the same vein to keep sure make sure that the Braves are in contention. They have what they need going into the postseason. and look, this is not going to be an easy team to put away. And, and who knows if they get Mike Soroka back, that could be, uh, that could be a big boost for them whenever he, if he is able to come back at any point. Uh, but before I get to my question, uh, one of our fans, uh, Josh Silverberg, mentioning that uh, he's, you did uh, some announcing with him in college. Yeah, so yeah. So giving you a That's shout out guy. for that. 
Um, Shout out to Josh. What's up, bud? Yes. Uh, so my question is about the way they managed the Ronald Acuna injury because a lot of yeah. baseball uh, analysts were saying that he wasn't going to be ready until the All-Star break, maybe June at the earliest, and he comes back right at the beginning of the May and then has dealt with some other injury issues since then. So do you think that was a mistake bringing him back the way they did or do you think there was something we knew about that they didn't or they knew about we didn't? Um, I'm sure there's something that they knew about that we didn't. And look, Ronald's an extremely hard worker. He's a really fun player to watch. You're right. When, when they talk about some of the injuries that he's dealt with lately, some groin stuff, some leg stuff, I, it honestly makes me a little bit nervous as somebody who's not even a Braves fan, but just who covers the team. And I have, I've been saying on the air that, look, just put this guy in the 10, 15, whatever day IL and uh, just let him rest for – a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it may be. And uh, just make sure he's right because much like with the Mets, you're really not going to go to the places you want to get to, I believe, this season, especially without Freddie Freeman in the mix, if you don't have Ronald Acuna. I think he's such a big part of what the Braves want to do here. And uh, you're obviously asking some some guys to have you know, multiply or, or, I guess, reproduce what they did last year in Austin Riley and Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson. and Swanson is, I call him the human roller coaster because he's just so up and down all over the place. It's, it's an emotional roller coaster watching Dansby Swanson. I had people early in the season tell me, you know, he's done. I want nothing to do with Dansby. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of him. And I said, just ride the wave. You know, he'll, he'll come back up again. It's the roller coaster. He'll, he'll come back up and, and he's been fine lately. But, um, but yeah, I'm a little nervous about Ronald Acuna Jr. I think he's not fully healthy, but I think he just loves the game and wanted to get back out there so bad and proved, I guess, enough to have that youthful exuberance to, to get himself back in the lineup. And I hope he's okay, but um, uh, I think they need to be careful with him because obviously he's the franchise. We are talking to ESPN Chattanooga radio show host Greg Larnard. Now, Greg, before we get into a couple of questions when it comes to basketball, what has been the surprise so far in this MLB season? Has it been the Yankees and that unbelievable pitching? The Yankees are right now uh, breaking records. Their rotation has been dominant. I mean, who would have thought that some of these guys would be as dominant? We all know what Garrett Cole could do. We all know it's, uh, how great of a pitcher he is when he's on. But some of the other guys that have been just fantastic, nasty, Nor- uh, Cortez, I mean, uh, just everybody that has been pitching well and that bullpen has been really unstoppable. What are your thoughts? What What are your thoughts with the Yankees, and what has been the biggest surprise so far early in this MLB season? Yeah, I think the Yankees are obviously way up there, and as I can see, you've, you're rocking a Yankee hat, so I assume that you are a pinstripe fan. <laughs> I am a Yankee fan, yes. <laughs> but they're orange and Mets colors. But I hate Yankee fans, by the way. And just so everybody knows, I, oh, can't, you do? I can't stand Yankee fans because they yeah. really don't understand the game of baseball. They just think that if, if this guy's available, buy him, bring him in. But the Yankees have done everything right. And by the way, Yankee fans in the last year, year and a half, get rid of Aaron Boone. He's that horrible manager. Get rid of Brian Cashman. It's passed him by. Look what Brian Cashman has done this offseason. Look what Aaron Boone, after getting his three-year extension, four-year extension with the Yankees, he's on his way to winning manager of the year. By the way, he'll be the first He'll be the first manager in Major League history in his first five years to have three. If he wins 100 games this year, it'll be he'll be the first manager in Major League history in his first five years to have three 100-win seasons. What, what are you going to say about that? That's so, not bad. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, uh, yeah, Yankee fans can, can be the worst. I've always said it's easy to be a, yeah, a Yankee they're fan. They're horrible, It's, it's yes. hard to be a Mets fan. Mm-hmm. 
because we've had to go through so much suffering. You guys have had a lot of good times. I mm. assume in your lifetime, you've, you you yes. grew up with the '90s Yankees and things like that. I'm not like a Derek Jeter fan. I can't stand Derek Jeter. So don't, really, I can't. I stand actually Derek like Jeter. Derek Jeter. I can't stand him. I met him. I've interviewed him. I've interviewed him three times, and to me, he's just a nasty. You know what? So mm. that's just my thoughts to Derek Jeter. He, okay. I, I'm, I'm actually like Alex Rodriguez better. So that's just my interesting. Yeah. Alex Rodriguez, big big Mets fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would have yeah. rather been a Met than a Yankee. That's for sure. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I definitely heard that, but it is what it is. And um, but yeah, when it comes to when it comes to the Yankees, just quick on that. Yeah, the pitching staff, I mean, you said it all. Nestor Cortez has been incredible, and, and I just love – he's so much fun to watch. I really enjoy as a baseball fan getting an opportunity to watch him pitch and just have fun out there on the mound. I think that's a lot of the times what we don't take away from these guys who go on and, and they work so hard and things like that, that they, they can't go out there and they have fun. And I think that's – at the heart and soul of baseball, that is really what it's about. It's about having fun and – Nestor Cortez, I love his sort of antics when he goes and he's messing with, you know, uh, Shohei Otani and things like that. And uh, some other guys that have been incredibly impressive, Jordan Montgomery and, and Jamison Tyon. I, I really didn't think that this Yankees rotation was going to be able to, to stand the test of time. I thought that would be their big bugaboo. And Chapman hasn't even been around for a while, mm-hmm. right? He's been he's been injured. Injured, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, that's been super impressive with their bullpen. I know Michael King has been a nice surprise there for the Yankees as well. Holmes, that I've too. Heard. Holmes, too. Holmes has been good, yep. All these Pittsburgh uh, guys, all these Pittsburgh guys that Brian Cashman, everybody says, who's this guy Holmes? Who's this guy this? Who's this guy that? He seems to make these trades with the the Pittsburgh Pirates and rob these guys from them. So I I don't know. They made up for it after the, the Pirates were doing the reverse. They were bringing all the ex-Yankees, <laughs> Russell Martin, Abad Nova, et cetera. <laughs> now, now they're doing the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the Yankees have been a great surprise. Look, at, obviously, the, the Mets and the Yankees have been – Basically, the class of uh, of baseball, and it's mm. it's been since 2000, really, since that's happened. So it's uh, it's been fun to watch both of those teams have so much so much success. And I miss being in New York because I grew up in Connecticut, mm. New York, and uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. And uh, I miss kind of being around that atmosphere. But I think the biggest team that's sort of stood out to me and surprised me is has been the Chicago White Sox. I think they have so much talent, and you know, I know they've dealt with some injuries and things like that as well, but to have so much talent and such a veteran manager like Tony La Russa, it's just been really surprising that they've struggled as much as they have out of the gate. And the Twins have done good, and, and they've taken advantage of of that. And they, they lead the uh, the NL AL Central at this point. So, look, they played well. Um, I do expect the, the White Sox to get back and, and play better baseball in the second half as we get into the summer here. But that's sort of been the biggest surprise for me that they haven't sort of run away with that division in which going into the year, you're thinking it's really their division. So I want to touch on the two managerial firings, Joe Madden today fired by the angels. And then Joe Girardi last week fired by the Phillies. You can laugh at that, especially as a Braves analyst and a Mets fan too. the Phillies becoming maybe the American league angels just overpay everybody and then not know what to do with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I've always sort of liked Joe Girardi. I don't think he's a terrific manager by any stretch, but I've always appreciated the way that he, uh, he manages in the way that he you know, kind of talks about the game and, and things like that. But, yeah, had a great opportunity to, to have a really good team there in Philadelphia and just didn't come to fruition. And, um, you know, they had to make a move. And since they made the move, they continued. They started winning. So <laughs> who knows if that works. And, and, you know, you get an ex-Yankee, I think it was. Was it Phil Nevin? Who, uh, yeah. Who's yeah. the new manager there for the uh, the Angels? Yeah, that will I fail, really, too. <laughs> 
What was that? <laughs> that will fail too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will. The Angels are just one of the most disappointing teams in all of uh, all of sports at this point. You have a guy in Mike Trout, mm-hmm. and you've made one playoff appearance mm-hmm. in his tenure with the Angels, and it was in 2013. And your ass got swept. So, <laughs> I mean, it was it, – it's just so disappointing. The Angels are just so bad. They can never get the pitching to to hold up. And uh, I really like Joe Madden. So, I, I would assume that there was some philosophical differences there that, mm-hmm. that led to him being fired. But, yeah, just sort of disappointed to see Madden go because I think he's a good dude. But it is what it is. Greg, you'll appreciate this as a Mets fan. Remember how Noah Syndergaard was making the comments of, oh, you, your no-hitter wasn't a real no-hitter. Since he made those comments, he has an 8.34 ERA. Hey, I can't sit here and say that I'm sad about that. Well, either are the Yankees after what they did to him. <laughs> yes. As everybody knows, we are talking to ESPN Chattanooga radio show host, Greg Larnard. Um, so, uh, NBA playoffs. Obviously, um, the Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors. We just were on. We, we just had uh, Brett Siegel on. He he gave us his thoughts to that series. What are your thoughts so far? One one. Uh, the Celtics being one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, and the Golden State Warriors being the more prolific offensive talented teams we've seen in such a very long time. What were what are your thoughts so far in this series with the Celtics Golden State in the NBA Finals? Well, I think this series could very easily be two nothing dubs at this point, and I had you know Golden State winning in six. I, I don't think enough people were giving the Boston Celtics enough credit going into this series, and you know they got extremely hot. They had a, the very sort of fluky fourth quarter, and then you obviously saw them come back to earth in, in, in game two. As we shift back to Boston, I really I've said this on the show. I really believe that this series is less about Steph Curry, who I know he needs that you know, MVP in the finals to sort of cement his legacy for whatever reason that means. Uh, He needs to show up big in a big moment, I guess. But it's less about Jason Tatum. It's less about Jalen Brown. It's, you know, maybe even less than less about Clay Thompson, although I know he hasn't been great. But to me, it's more about the other guys and Al Horford, a Marcus Smart, a Derek White, a Peyton Pritchard, a um, Jordan Poole, a Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, whatever others, if you will, play better in this series, I think that's going to end up determining who wins this series. I know Jason Tatum didn't even play well in that first game scoring-wise, and they still won it, but he had 13 assists. Um, it's really going to come down to the others, and it's it's been a fun series so far, and you know it's just fun to watch the ebbs and the flows of this series because it's, you know, after the first game, oh, you know, look at the Golden State Warriors. They 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 don't you know they can't hang. They 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 you know obviously lost it late in the game there after that big third quarter that they always have and the defense wasn't very good. And then in game two, Steph Curry, oh my gosh, he finally figured out how to play defense. And <laughs> the Golden State Warriors are just so much better than than uh, than the Boston Celtics. But I think it's going to kind of go ebb and flow back and forth. But um, I, ultimately, I do think the Warriors are the better team. Just the way that I see them moving the basketball right. and scoring in the paint and things like that and you know, taking advantage of turnovers from Boston. I, I put five, I think a free $5 bet on the Boston Celtics in like the you? first round <laughs> to win the, win the NBA Finals. But, you know, I won't be too upset. Either way, I win. You know, either if the Celtics win and I'm wrong on my prediction, I win a little bit of monet. I get a monetary gain. If I'm, if I'm right on my prediction, 
obviously I look better and then, you know, financially I lose nothing. So whatever, <laughs> but I don't gain anything either. Don't worry. So it is don't, it is. don't worry. Don't feel, don't feel bad. Errol said he was, he would root against the Warriors, even if he did bet on them. I'm rooting against the Warriors. I can't, I do not want to see Steph Curry hoist that championship trophy again. Well, I'm a I Knicks don't. fan. So like, I, I don't, I don't, I can't root. If I have a problem rooting for Boston, it's, it's hard. I don't really want right. either of these yeah. teams to win. Hey, I, I have a problem rooting for Boston, too, because I can't stand the Boston fans. And we have a lot of Boston fans that listen to this show, and they love to stick it into us New York fans' face that Boston always wins and New York hasn't won anything since 2011, okay? So, Are you a Knicks fan or a, a Mets fan? I, I'm a diehard We're both Knicks, Knicks fans. fans. I'm a diehard <laughs> Knicks fan. And, uh, and I, I, I'm a Yankee fan. I am an Islander fan. And Should I just prop this up? Back there you go. There you nice. go. There you go. Yeah. Don't show any Chattanooga people over there. <laughs> <laughs> what are they, Atlanta Hawks fans over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all Atlanta Hawks fans. But I, I, it to me last year, last uh, postseason. There's a guy over there that I can't stand, and that's because he gave uh, all the New York fans a middle finger a couple of years ago, and that's yeah. Trey Young. So, yeah. And I, by the way, we we interviewed Trey Young's best friend. So, <laughs> so oh, really, it, it it doesn't it doesn't hurt, uh, you know. And I never I never threw Trey Young under the uh, you know under the uh, what do they say under under the, the bus under the bus. Okay, because I wanted to, but I didn't because I, I didn't want him to hang up the phone on us when we had him on the phone. But Trey Young is uh, probably smart. Yes, Trey Young is a is a cool, down to earth guy, and obviously a great basketball player, but he. He, he obviously can't stand New Yorkers, and, and who would? And I and I, I I actually believe that one way or another he'll be a Nick one way or another. So Trey Young, <laughs> Trey Young, that's what I, I think. See Trey Young. Now, here's how I think I it's going to happen. We oh. just had we just had Brett Siegel on the show, and he said that Donovan Mitchell is. There's a very good chance Donovan Mitchell could be a Nick, and if yeah. Donovan Mitchell goes to the Knicks, who's his best friend? So uh, I don't know. Is it Trey Young? It's Trey Young. So. Mm. Uh, you're not winning. I'll tell you what. You're not winning anything. You're not winning a damn thing if you have Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell. I would. You might win more games, but you're never winning a championship. I would agree. RJ, I don't want the Knicks to trade RJ Barrett. I think they need to hold on to the kid. I think he's something special. I think finally have a guy that you can build your team around. Get rid of Julius Randle, Mister Bricklayer, because he can't. (laughs) I I can't stand him. Uh, The guy, every time he's on the court, or if he's not complaining that doesn't get the ball enough, he's hitting more bricks than. uh, hitting shots so i don't want julius randall i, lo- I like julius but i don't like him in his current role as a mm. max player mm. or like the best player on a team like right. you're not going to win anything you saw in that that series against the hawks you're not going to win anything with julius randall as your best player he needs to be like your third or fourth best player on a championship team that's what julius randall is he can be a good player at times but you can't ask him to do everything and on this Knicks team they ask him to do a lot, and you know, as we saw, he came up pretty small in that in that in that postseason run against the Hawks, and he needs some help. He needs some help. Absolutely, and I think the the interesting thing with the Knicks in this offseason is, uh, what are they going to do uh, drafting at eleven? I hear they're trying to move up to number four or five. There's a player that they're really intrigued with. Uh, yeah, Mathurin from Arizona. Arizona, yeah. the yeah. kid from Arizona. Uh, could they move up? To four or five to get that player. I, I mean, and is he going to turn out to be the player that can change this franchise around? This franchise has done very well in the last couple of years, making you know drafting. Obi Toppin looks like when he does play, he's a good player. Emmanuel Quigley uh, could be a good player. I, I think he's more of a six man. And R.J. Barrett has turned into slowly a superstar player for this team. So they need to figure out 
what this team identity is. If the Knicks can figure it out, I think the Knicks could compete in the Eastern Conference, a very weak Eastern Conference uh, with me. It's just really it's Miami, Milwaukee, and, and, and the Celtics. That's about it. I, I don't think I, I'm not worried about Philadelphia. I'm not worried about any of those other teams. I think it's really a, a three-team NBA Eastern Conference uh, you know, race. Frank Nealakino? <laughs> Kevin Knox. Oh well, that that was that was Phil Jackson. Okay, Phil Jackson ruined the Knicks. Okay. <laughs> no, it, James Dolan continues to ruin the Knicks. Well, yeah, that's so. Why, <laughs> why doesn't he just go play with JD in the straight shots and and leave the basketball <laughs> to somebody else? Well, he hasn't said I anything. Mean, I mean, he's letting Leon Rose run that team. <sighs> yeah, but into the ground or where are we running it to? Hey, RJ is becoming a, a, a player, so maybe maybe you're right. I'm, I I don't know where the Knicks are going to be. Five, six years from now, I can only hope that this team is going to be run the right way, something that they haven't been run really since Pat Riley and Stan Van Gundy. I mean, uh, Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy. Van Gundy. Not Stan Van. Not the Van Gundy. Jeff, well, he was, he was a part of that coaching staff for a little while, Stan he Van was. Gundy. Yes, he, he was. was. Yeah. And so yeah. was, uh, you know, uh, a guy that's right now coaching our team right now. Thibodeau. Yes. Tibbs. tearing taskmaster. Uh, yes. A guy that obviously doesn't work very good with young players, and he likes these veteran players. And I hopefully Thibodeau realizes that these young players are the wave of the future not the older veteran players that have just completely died down in the second half of the season every single year, even with yeah. the Chicago Bulls, with Minnesota, and now with the Knicks. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Knicks. I'm, I'm so pessimistic on them right now. They haven't shown me anything every really to be excited is. about. Yeah, it's just... I don't mean to be so negative, but it's just sort of realistic at this point until I see some sort of shift and change. Yes, RJ looks pretty good. It, that's a nice little piece, but Manuel quickly is okay. You know, I know they maybe have some 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 yep. guys that they've drafted last year. Mm-hmm. We'll see uh, what happens. They just need to sort of shift some things around, and they really need to find a point guard. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since they've had like a legitimate, really good mm-hmm. run your offense type of point guard. Obviously. You know, I loved Patrick Ewing back in the day. He's mm. my guy. But, um, you know, they really haven't had a, a good solid point guard and um, somebody who wasn't a turnstile defensively. Mm. <laughs> so I want to I want to go back to the NBA finals. And we see these teams, the way they're built, they're home. A lot of the homegrown players, they make some trades here and there. But most of the teams, they're not the LeBron heat or anything like that. So do you think there's going to be a shift to a permanent way of you see the Bucks, the Suns, they have two stars and they'll build the depth around it rather than you're seeing with a lot of these super teams, the like the Heat, the the Warriors back in the day, now trying the Nets and the Lakers that haven't done as well. Do you think there'll be a shift back to that kind of formula again? I think that's it's a good point, man. I, I think that's sort of the way that things are shifting if you look at the NBA right now. But I think when it comes down to it is you just need good players. And and you look at the Warriors for a good example. They have some really good players, but they have a lot of guys who fit within their team and within, and they know their roles. And I think that's kind of where you're going. Of yeah, you got to have a couple of star players, and then you have to have the guy. You have to have guys that know their roles, who will do exactly what they need. They will not just jack up threes and get three happy and things like that. They know their roles. You can play around them. I mean, you look at shoot, look at um, look at the Mavericks where you had Porzingis and you had Luca, and it oh, just God. didn't work. <laughs> So, um, yeah, maybe we're getting back to the Batman and Robin and then just sort of build around everybody else. Maybe we're getting back to the Jordan days, Jordan and Pippen, and then, you know, Rodman and Kerr and, you know, surround them with shooters and just do your thing. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a good point. That seems to be the way that the NBA is sort of shifting back now. We are talking to ESPN Chattanooga radio show host Greg Larnard. Uh, last question for us before we let you go. We really appreciate you joining us and giving us the time. I know you got a woman over there. What happened to your finger, by the way? I, I see you have something wrong with your <laughs> finger. She's, uh, she's she's not here actually. She's uh she's she's away. She went back home to uh, to Minnesota at this point. Mm. So I've got the place to myself for right now, which is which is uh, kind of cool. But uh yeah, speaking of my girl, this is what happened. She uh, she stepped on my pinky and broke it. Mm. How does somebody <laughs> step on your pinky and break it? Well, we were uh, fooling around in a non-sexual way. I got you. goofing around, and I had somehow ended up on the ground. And my hand is, you know, outstretched, or I don't even remember how it was. But she stepped back and happened to step right on that one little knuckle right there at the top and uh, <laughs> didn't fully break it. It was just a little fractured. But uh, after she did it, she was like, stop being so dramatic. You're mm. fine. Yada, yada, yada. Don't you yada. love when they do that? Oh, I certainly do. Mm. And, uh, you know, you know, if we, any of us did that to of any course. of our significant others, we would, uh, would never hear the end of it. You're and, absolutely um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, she kind of, uh, she felt bad after the fact when she's like, oh, shit, it's actually, it is actually broken. Whoops, sorry about that. That's all right. Man. Um, it is actually broken. So, it is what it is. Um, yeah. All right. She did that. So, last question. Uh, and, uh, obviously, I don't know if you're a football fan. Uh, I don't know who you uh, you root on. Uh, who's your favorite football team? I am a Green Bay Packers fan. Okay, and I know he mentioned that you're a Green Bay Packer fan. What are your thoughts this offseason? Obviously, um, Aaron Rodgers taking the biggest contract in NFL history, $50 million a year for the next two years. Uh, they didn't draft – well, they did draft a wide receiver in the second round. Uh, but uh, they they didn't really get any of the top wide receivers that they were probably trying to gun for because all those guys got drafted into teams. What are your thoughts with the offseason the Green Bay Packers have had? Well, I'm uh, I'm happy to hear today that, and I went back and I had to uh, rewatch Aaron Rodgers' little pre- press conference that he had did at his locker after uh, after practice, and he's there, and it's good to have him back there, and. Uh, that's that's honestly my guy. I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I went from growing up following Brett Favre right into Aaron Rodgers. So I'm very nervous as to what comes next with the Green Bay Packers at their quarterback position. But obviously, am I happy to see Devontae go? Absolutely not. Like I thought if Aaron was coming back, no way Devontae's leaving. I always in the back of my mind and would tell anybody who's willing to listen that Aaron was going to come back and not – you know, leave the Packers like everybody was sort of speculating and talking about and things like that. And uh, just knowing him and, and you know, following his career as, as well as I have, I just had a feeling that he was going to come back. But I didn't think that and there was any way that if he came back, Devontae wasn't going to come back because I thought those guys were tight and they, they had unfinished business and they did the whole last dance thing. And who would have thought that, uh, you know, the last dance thing had, would pertain more to Devontae than it did Aaron. But mm. You know, sad to see Devontae go. I, I love Tay. Um, a little nervous for this wide receiving corp that they have going into this season. But Matt LaFleur is a very offensive, creative offensive guy. And maybe this will allow them to open up the offense a little bit more. Because Aaron was talking today and he said, I'd be lying if I said that 80% of the plays that we, passing plays that we, you know, ran were revolving around 17. Now it's got to be around 13. And it's got to be around Randall Cobb. And it's got to be around Christian Watson and Romeo and, you know, some other guys that are there, Bobby Tunyon and, and Mercedes Lewis and, you know, the running backs, and they're going to have to get more creative. And, and I think this team is sort of starting to shift to the mindset of, hey, look, 
if we can kind of do what the Broncos did in Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl, and Aaron is far removed from that, and obviously, knock on wood, he doesn't get into some sort of injury problem like that. But they they are of the mindset of like, look, let's continue to pound the, the, the rock on the ground. We have two great running backs. Let's build up the defense. Anytime Aaron Rodgers has had a defense, the year they won the Super Bowl, had an incredible defense. They had to deal with Donald Driver going out in the Super Bowl, Jordy Nelson and, and Jerome – um, What's his name? James, James Jones. James Jones. There we go. Thank you, Jerome James. I was thinking of the freaking Knicks we were talking about. Jerome <laughs> James. Oh, James Jones. Overpaid and, uh, Jerome James. Oh, big time, big time, big time. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, those guys dropping passes, but the defense was really, really good. And you have to rely on the back-to-back reigning MVP. Aaron Rodgers will be able to figure it out on the field with whomever he's throwing the ball to. I don't know why, and maybe this is just me being a, a Packers fan, but I had, as I was listening to Rodgers, talk about Sammy Watkins, and I know. I, I am a big fantasy football guy, mm-hmm. so I know the ups and mostly downs of Sammy Watkins. I, I would never draft that guy, but he'd always have these incredible games a couple of times a year. It's usually the mm-hmm. first game of the season, yep. and then he gets hurt, and then he's nowhere to be found. But there's something that just I feel when I heard him talking about it today that maybe this is the time for Sammy Watkins. Maybe this is the year he finally stays healthy. You know, he's with, you know, one of the best quarterbacks that he's ever been with, if not the best quarterback that he's ever been with outside of Patrick Mahomes. Maybe if he stays healthy, opportunity here to be that clear-cut number one wide receiver. If he can stay healthy, maybe he surprises us and has a big season because we know he has big talent. I'm just hoping that he can stay on the football field to uh, to show it. And obviously, he's got his boy Cobby there who – he trusts a lot. I don't know how much left he's got in the tank and sort of looks like Jordy Nelson at the end of his career. The, the name is good, but the production isn't really that good. Um, so I'm a little nervous about the wide receiving core, but I love what they're doing on defense. I love bringing Rich Passaccia in as the special teams mm-hmm. coordinator, especially how bad our special teams have been over Horrible. the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Horrible, dude. Uh, it's been so bad. So that's that's great. I'm glad that they're finally addressing some things. I'm glad Aaron Rodgers spoke his mind to the front office last season, got things cleared up. I think he just really wanted the respect that somebody with his stature deserves within within an, or, or an organization. He's been there longer than anybody. I think that's really all it was about. And um, I'm excited for the season, and uh, I, I like the direction of this team, the way that they're going. Even though I'm nervous about the wide receivers, I still have trust that Aaron Rodgers will be and Matt LaFleur will be able to make something work offensively enough for them to win games if their special teams are better with Rich Passaccia and their defense is uh, just so vaunted. The secondary, all three levels. I, you know, They've always lacked at the linebacker position. And to get Devondre Campbell off mm-hmm. of the scrap heap last year and him become an all-pro and then to be able to re-sign him, like, that was one thing. I, I know I love Devontae and I wish he came back, but allowing you know him going allowed us to get extra draft capital and also allowed us to bring back Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas. And those were two huge pieces last year with the defense. So I'm excited. All in all, fellas, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think know. you should be fan. I think you should. I was, I was about to say, well, I always thought the linebackers always a bigger need than the wide receivers for a while too. And when they traded up yeah. two years ago, I thought it was going to be for Patrick Queen. And Oh, they, that's what I wanted. That's I, okay. Exactly that's what, what I thought I exactly I was going to happen. Queen yeah. Instead of, 
in Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. At this rate, Randall Cobb might be the backup quarterback at this rate. I think the Packers are in very good shape. I think the reason why they lost against San Francisco was because of their special teams. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers. I know a lot of people. Yeah, Trey. I know a lot of people like to throw him under the bus because Aaron Rodgers didn't make the common throws that you usually make. It was cold, and I yes, it does usually do that in Green Bay, but both teams have to deal with it. And by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo was horrible in that game. They still won because of the special teams. So you're right. Yes, we have uh, Trey, yeah. Trey Larkins, a uh, guy that hosts the show on our network, was oh, biggest Aaron Rodgers fan. We're just blaming him for everything, everything. in that game. <laughs> yes, oh, of course. I would never go out there and be so egregious to blame Aaron Rodgers for everything. Was he maybe forcing the ball to 17 a little bit? Did, did they not you know, have the right adjustments in that game? In that offensive game plan, I absolutely think so. I think, you know, they should have realized, look, they're taking away 17. Let's go somewhere else instead of they continue to try to force feed him the the football because that's what they've done all year. So I need to see a little bit more out of Matt LaFleur this year. I'm I'm hoping he gets his creative bag and is saying, look, like we, you know, we don't have 17 anymore. We need to get more creative, spread the love a little bit and start to trust other guys within this offense. Look, I think Sammy Watkins, I think Randall Cobb, I think Alan Lazard, and I think some of the younger guys have a great opportunity here to really step up and be that number one guy. He talked about it today, talking about Alan Lazard, how he's been sort of the, you know, dirty work type of wide receiver. And now he's got an opportunity to be a number one receiver within this offense. So we'll see what guys step up and, and, and take that opportunity. We were- Twitter claimed best blocking wide receiver in football, Alan Lazard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you, man, and uh, we obviously made your phone die, but uh, giving us all the time that you have, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Of course. It's uh, all over social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. It's at G underscore ESPN chat. Again, at G underscore ESPN chat. You can get the show noon to two every weekday, Eastern Standard Time, ESPNChattanooga.com. Or download the ESPN Chattanooga mobile app. That's uh, that's good ways to, to keep up with the show. And on Facebook, if you want to find me, at the word with G is my uh, my show Facebook page as well. So a lot of ways to get in touch. Would love to stay in touch with everybody. And uh, I, I really enjoyed hanging out with you guys tonight. It's been fun, and I definitely would love to come back and do it again. You guys seem like awesome guys, and uh, I'm Thank glad you. that you, uh, you reached out to me. Absolutely, we really appreciate you. And as Josh Silverberg says, you're a nice guy. <laughs> so we really appreciate your New York background. And uh, and joining us for the the fifty minutes that practically we're on our show, so really appreciate you, man. Of course, guys, have a great evening. All right, you too. We were Thanks. just talking to ESPN Chattanooga radio show host Greg Larnard, uh, very nice guy, really, really. Had nice a Josh Silverberg connection. Who knew? Who would have known? But uh, again, that's Joshua for you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I, I so we we got we went through. The whole Rangers, Avalanche, Celtics, Warriors, uh, this Aaron Donald contract, uh, very interesting story. And listen, Aaron Donald has been the most dominant force in the NFL for the last seven years, probably eight years. And if you look at his numbers, he's been an all-pro player for, what, eight years in a row, seven years in a row? Seven out of the eight years he's been in the league. Seven out of the eight years, and he wants to break the record. I think it's nine that he he would have to do. And and they were trying to compare and contrast who is the best defensive players of all time, the top three best defensive players of all time. And a lot of the NFL Network guys were picking, and some of the guys picked Aaron Donald in the top three. If Aaron Donald has another three years all-pro dominance, 
I can honestly look at Aaron Donald as probably the most dominant force the NFL does the NFL has ever seen. When you look at Lawrence Taylor, and Lawrence Taylor was a dominant force, and yes, he sniffed an eight ball every second <laughs> half of the second half of the game, and uh, he went out and did the things that he did before the games and and before the Super Bowl. He was hanging out and partying over there in New York City. We know the whole story. And Reggie White was a dominant force before he came into the NFL. And then when he showed up in the NFL, he played for the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles and then played for uh, the Green Bay Packers in the, the that championship Packers team. He was a huge dominant force in the NFL. And a lot of people would say Reggie White was the most dominant force in NFL history. And then some people would say Deion Sanders at the cornerback position was a shutdown corner, and nobody was as good as Deion Sanders at the position that he played. And then you talk about Charles Woodson and then Darrell Revis, and and, and we can go up and down some of the greatest defensive players of all time. But Aaron Donald, in a time where you look for a guy that is just a dominant force, and that gets triple-teamed every single game, and still gets over double-digit sacks every single year, and was the dominant force on that, in that Super Bowl in the fourth quarter that shut down the Bengals' offense, especially in the beginning of the, third, the, the, the second half of the, that game where they got that touchdown because of a trip jail. Yeah, that Ramsey. shouldn't have been called, yeah. But nevertheless, Aaron Donald has been the most dominant player at his position for the last eight years, except if you would argue, obviously, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. There is nobody. And I'm not going to put Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes. No, not seven years. Yeah, yet, he, no. not, even, even the last three years. Last year, he, he didn't show up in the first half, and he showed up in the second half. And Patrick Mahomes wasn't as good as he was his first two years. So you can't put Patrick Mahomes in that conversation. Or Josh Allen, who, you know, his first two years, he was all right. And in last year, it was his breakout season. The two, three most dominant players in the last five to seven years is Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Donald. Okay? And what Aaron Donald has done consistently as a defensive lineman, has been just absolutely ridiculous. And and for me to say this, and I am not an L.A. Rams fan. Don't worry, not, not many of them exist. And I'm not a huge Aaron Donald fan because I obviously he doesn't play for the Jets. When you watch this kid play, how many people could you honestly say in the last 40, 50 years – that is anywhere close to the player that Aaron Donald is. From a consistency factor, there isn't one in the NFL right now. Because, like you were saying, the, the fluky, there are fluky with corners, wide receivers. Like, that keeps changing. Who's the best wide receiver in football? Who's the best corner in football for a while? We never said that about Aaron Donald. I also think when you're, when you're judging all time, Aaron Donald, while depending on where you rank him in terms of the all time, what he could be, especially if this is the last three years, then. But he's also the most unique when you look at he's an undersized defensive tackle. He There are certain years where he weighed under 300 pounds, and he played all over the place. 3-4 defensive end, 4-3 defensive tackle, 3-4 defensive tackle. He, and he still was able to learn. There were times where they were lining up outside when they didn't have enough outside rushing depth last year because they had too many.
many interior guys, and he was still getting sacks. He's been consistently double-digit sack guy five years in a row, seven years in the All-Pro, for a position that's so difficult to play. John Randall is the only guy ahead of him in sacks all-time for interior linemen, and Donald has played eight years in the league. So you were expecting those numbers in a 10, 11-year, 12-year career, and he's already eclipsed that. So he definitely can get there for sure, and he's such a unique prototype the way he's played the game. You're talking about Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was one outside rusher type. You're talking about a shutdown corner like Deion Sanders. Like, he had that style of game. Another name that was brought up, Bruce Smith. Yes. Who was a dominant force, too, with the right. Buffalo Bills. And he was a fantastic pass rusher. He really was. But even even at that time, the game was different. This game, yeah. there's too many penalties. There's so many ways of calling a penalty in the middle of a game. Right. And Aaron Donald, he's getting triple teamed. He's getting double teamed every single play. Definitely being double teamed. And he's still getting to the quarterback. He's still putting pressure on the quarterback. And you, like you said, Speedy, you can move him to the nose tackle. You can move him to the DT. You can move him to the defensive end. Yeah. You've seen him play the linebacker, outside linebacker position. We've seen him play multiple positions and still be a dominant force. And, and that's what makes him so special because a guy that's undersized that can play multiple positions and still be the dominant force that he is is just a fantastic sight to see. Uh, just reading some of the comments, uh, Jeff says Brady ahead of Rogers. Uh, Stuck says if she, if she breaks your finger, she's pretty obligated to form a Speedy's dog on you. Oh God! Uh, Carl says Packers have like five guys from Southwest Florida. Jeff says nothing for like praising a special teams coordinator is the best offseason move. If Aaron Rodgers got out of his lazy ass and I got out on the field with the special teams unit, the punt would have been blocked. <laughs> Jeff says Garoppolo over Rodgers. Greg is the Packers beef. Stuck says, I have it on good authority that Aaron Donald's almost as good as Marcus Spears. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then uh, no Tom Brady and Aaron Donald. And speaking of Jeff, he has returned. Jeff, what's going on? Errol, since you're talking about history here mm. and defensive tackles, I just wanted to switch mm. to another historical conversation. Let's go. With the retirement of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Is Ryan Fitzpatrick a Hall of Famer? No. No? No. Well, you're a numbers monkey. You're a go look at the here numbers. Here we go, Troy guy. Aikman. Oh, what are the here numbers we go. Here we go. Ryan Fitzpatrick, more passing yards than Troy Aikman. <laughs> yeah, so does Andy Dalton, the Jay Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like it. Go look at the numbers. <laughs> Where's the beef when you need him? <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. Now, that would be, that right would be fun. He's crying in his beard right now because the Rangers lost. Boo-hoo. <laughs> and by the way, all of the social media Ranger fans are giving up already. You see, what? this is what I mean. This is what I mean. I'm, I'm reading some of the posts after the Rangers lose game number four. And, and listen, I still think the Rangers could win this series. As a matter of fact, I picked the Rangers to win this series. But the fact is, the fact that You also that, picked the Nets over the Celtics. Yes, so I did. You know. Whatever. But the, light, the Rangers are still going home to game number five where they can win game number five and take this all the way to a game seven, even if it goes to a home and home. That's one. And they have home field advantage, which benefits the, the Rangers. And here's the here's another thing, Ranger fans have always done this, and and Yankee fans are like this, uh, Nick fans are like this. Uh, it, yeah, New it, Yorkers it, in general, they're trash people. We yeah, well, it. they can be mutual, the same fans too. Yeah, yeah. They, they always give up on their teams, especially when they get an early lead and they choke up that early lead. I still think that the Rangers are the faster, better, younger team. Now, I, I don't think I, I think that to me overall. 
I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have the the veteran players. The Headman's better than any play any defenseman the Rangers have, even better than Fox, as good as Fox has played this year, which is historic. Um, and Stamkos and and obviously Kucherov are fantastic players. The Rangers don't have players like that, as good as. Uh, obviously, we talk about uh, the Criders this year that has been sensational, Panarin and all the other guys, and Zabitajad. These guys are not as good as Kucherov and Stamkos when, when, when healthy. So I, I think that the, the Rangers are the younger, faster team. I think that all in all, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are the more veteran-like team that could come back and win this series. I still think the Rangers are going to win this series. So, Rangers, stop! Ranger fans, stop jumping off a friggin' bridge because the Rangers. No, no, no! Are... Please go to the bridge, Ranger fans. I, I don't understand. Not the that. year to jo- jump off a bridge. I don't understand. The Rangers it. are way ahead of where they're supposed to be. I, I don't understand it. They're giving. Uh, go on social media right now that the Ranger fans saying, "Oh, here the we whole, go. Series is the over." Whole series, yeah, the whole series is going to be Game Five. That's going to be yeah, the whole series. It is. Wins yeah, that it game is, is going to win the series. I I agree with you. I think if the Rangers win Game Five, the Rangers win in seven. And that's what I think is going to happen. Because right. I can, if the Rangers lose Game Five, yeah, it's they're over. toast. It's yeah, over. They lose in six at that point. Because I think because here's the thing with the Lightning too. Outside of 2015, when they beat the Rangers in that Game Seven, they really haven't been great in longer series. It's been more they will they'll win in six or they'll they'll win in six with a lot of blowouts. They'll they'll sweep they'll sweep the way through like they did against the, the Montreal in the Stanley Cup. They'll come back the way they did down two to one against Dallas in that Cup. Like they're not as built for longer series and. They swept Florida the way they did, which helped them, I guess, prepare better to not have to go in the longer series because now the wear and tear gets to you. You won, been on the two cups path. Now, they granted, they swapped a lot of players out. You were talking about Yanni Gord getting traded. Tyler Johnson got traded, and they brought in Brandon Hagel. But still, that still benefits the Lightning where you have shorter series in comparison to some of the other teams that might be contending teams where you want to be more battle-tested. We know the Lightning are battle-tested already, so mm-hmm. that kind of thing... Well, that- that kind of thing yeah, definitely all, helps them for six games. All of this still has nothing to do with whether Ryan Fitzpatrick is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. If, Why not? Look at the numbers. There, we talk about Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton has better numbers too. And and by the way, Matt Matt AK Matty Caps thinks that <laughs> Andy Dalton's one of the worst quarterbacks of all time. Meanwhile, he's got better numbers than half the quarterbacks that are in the NFL's uh, you know Hall of Fame. But so the, meanwhile, he's pra- the, meanwhile he praises Sam Darnold and Tua. <laughs> God Almighty, this, let's get into that one too. The fact to you that every time you yell, "Go look at the numbers," it's a retarded thing to do. Well, again, when I look at the numbers too, Jeff, I'm looking at the past time and trying to compare and contrast some of the players of these day, this day to last. No, the, your whole and the game is different. The game is different. It is different. Why? Have they changed the ball? Have they changed the pad? No, they, the, they the rules the are different. I, it was a defensive, more of a defensive game in the 80s and the early 90s. <laughs> Right, and right, and you, now you, it's a more offensive get, you, game where you're getting calls, right. just like the NBA. Just like you right, heard you Gary Payton. Did you hear what Gary Payton just said? Gary Payton <laughs> said that the 90s basketball was the best time of basketball. It's also strategy, too. There's a lot more routes. There's a lot more offensive creativity than you saw before. It was a running league back in the early days of the NFL. So there wasn't right. as much with the concepts either. But it's, but it's also kind of a terrible argument because you could also make the argument, too, that, hey, Troy Aikman got in. But Troy Aikman had all the help. Troy he Aikman does. had Troy Aikman, Michael had Irvin. The, well, not, not listen. Not even just Michael Irvin, right? A, a really underrated part of that team, besides Irvin, Novacek, offensive, too, yeah. besides besides the offensive line, 
They had the NFL's all-time leading rusher. Mm-hmm. No, right? they did. So they did. What do we do? Did Fitzpatrick have any of that? No, he had bums. Still passed for more yards than Aikman. Again, I'm I'm not putting down uh, you know a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He, and he was a has journey- a glorious beard. He is. A yes. glorious, he's a jur- he's a journeyman. Okay, and and he's played well, for what nine te- nine teams. Go look uh, at the care. numbers. Go look at, go look at the numbers. His first year yeah. on every single Passing team yards. were fantastic, and then after uh, that, horrible. And he's that's why Passing he's played yards. for what seven seven or eight that. different teams. Eight different teams. <laughs> Quarter yeah. of the league. Hey. Hey, you know what? There's something to be said for longevity. What's the no. best ability? Oh, please with this. Stop with Are this. Are you kidding? No, not stop with this. Stop dude, with this, Jeff. Troy, Troy Aikman is a dude that got concussions opening fan mail. <laughs> this is so stupid. Well, here, here's the other thing, too, though. They had a lot of, there's a lot of Mostly years he from had. the beef. <laughs> just a shit ton of letters from the beef. That's all it was. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Uh, he had a lot of years with th- 3,000 passing yards in playing 13 games. So you mm-hmm. wonder in those seasons if they could have gotten more to that point. It's just he never had the consistency to do it. And he always fell off more in the second half, so never really got that kind of chance. Now, whether it was him, whether it was the team, is a lot of the uh, – but you can't just go in the Hall of Fame on a lot of hypotheticals and unknowns either. Hey, Plus the interceptions could drag it down too. Let's let's do what the beef does, right? Let's do what oh. the beef. Hey, you know, let's let's put Fitzpatrick on the Cowboys. I bet she throws some more yards because you know Zeke's better than Barry Sanders. He should have been able to run <laughs> forever please. behind that offense line. Please. <laughs> let's see. Well, well, let's even compare to the running backs he did play with. 2013, t- Titans played with Chris Johnson. Buffalo always had a good running game when he was there. Mm-hmm. So uh, how much how much better could Zeke Elliott really be? Even the even the Jets, Matt Forte towards the end of his career was still pretty good. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm just <laughs> saying, you put Ryan Fitzpatrick on those great Cowboys teams, they probably win four Super Bowls in a row. <laughs> oh, yes. God. Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's see. A guy that never Never made the playoffs. He's almost like going to win the four straight Super Bowls with the Cowboys. Hashtag beef logic. Yeah, but not Fitzpatrick's fault. He played with bums. No, I'm not saying the teams he played on were great. I'm just, it's, just, it's just ironic. Like, that, that, that would be the most beef logic. To pull, the, pull out one of the few players that never made a postseason appearance bumping around so many different teams. Brandon Marshall's the other one that comes to mind with that. Hey, and you, you know what? There's also something to be said for a, for a dude that you can call up and he can go play in any offense and excel in that offense because how many systems do you think he played in? Yeah, and a lot, a lot of bad systems too. the 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 Bengals he started with in 08, they were they were pretty good at that time, but then Buffalo was average, and I think they bumped around so many different coaches. They went from Dick Duran to Chan Gailey to all those guys, and then Tennessee, Houston, in between the Jets. The Jets had the same offense, but they had all those players mm-hmm. regress from 15 to 16. Yeah. So you're talking about that. You, then he goes to Tampa, the spark plug there. He has a big hot start. And then all of a sudden they bring back Jameis Winston and they just go off, fall off a cliff after that. So mm-hmm. it's settled. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Hall of Famer, right? No, that would be great. But it's probably not. It's not going to happen. And well, I don't know. Look I, at the numbers. You know, Listen, you're going to go back and forth with me with this numbers thing, but... No, because it just highlights how dumb it is that that's like your go-to default thing, though. You do it for everything. I don't do it for everything. I just look at the numbers when I'm statistically looking at the past and and, and obviously the present. But the past and the present are two different things, Jeff. It's a different game. And you can't deny that either. 
No, no, it's it's certainly a different game, and I understand that more of a passing league. But Aikman certainly had an advantage on help. What if what if Fitzpatrick had played for a team like that that had five Hall of Fame offensive linemen, the number one rusher of all time, right. one of the best wide receivers of all time? Fitzpatrick played with a bunch of trash cans and speedy blocking for him. <laughs> yes, I probably would. I, I I probably would qualify for what the Bills' offensive line was back then. <laughs> <laughs> and and Fitzpatrick still did well, still did well. F- Fitzpatrick, by the way, think about this: all those Bills teams, Tom Brady, thirty-three and three against the, uh, yes. the Bills all time. Yeah, no, it, Fitzpa- it, Fitzpatrick beat him. Yeah, no, it's beat Brady. It's actually funny. One of the restaurants we went to in Maine was actually they had a TV that was randomly playing that game. The thirty, it was a thirty-one thirty or thirty-four thirty-one. One of the high-scoring shootout games that Buffalo beat New England, and I in like twenty ten or something. And I'm like, oh yeah, That's I remember what, that game. <laughs> I remember that That's game because it, it was one of the rare times that that ended up happening. Because the Bills, I. I I joke around all the time. I call the Chargers the the least clutch team in football. I used to say the Bills are always the most average team in football. Like they had good drafts, they had pretty good player development, and they always lose their players. And then they'd always play pesky when they needed to, but when the pressure was on, though, they sink. Like they always end up six and ten, nine and seven every year. But this is the point, though, Speedy. For two decades, the Bills can't beat New England. Insert Ryan Fitzpatrick. Boom, win. Against the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> uh, Stark says Fitzmagic Fitz Beard is the source of his magic. Troy Aikman and Jay Z, twins separated at birth. Fitzmagic, a Hall of Fame heads down. The Beave is working for his coleslaw tomorrow. Availability, hashtag Beave Logic, hashtag Ban the Beave. And the bust of Fitzmagic will feature the most spectacular beards in the hall. Mm. Yeah. It'll be two thirds beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just make it a whole beard. You guys are two idiots. I, I swear, you guys Amazing. are. Piece... Go ahead. What are you gonna say? And and I'm very sick and tired of hearing these people you bring on your show going, "Oh, the Warriors have outplayed the Celtics for seven out of eight quarters." It's factually untrue. Okay, game one. Let's go to game one. Uh, six three pointers in the first quarter for uh, Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Certainly outplayed him in the first quarter. What was the score at halftime? Celtics lead by two. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Jumped right out in the third quarter and uh, took Jeff, I'm not. First of all, Jeff, I'm not the one speaking for them. That's their thoughts and what they they saw. But Brett Siegel is very well respected around Sports Illustrated. This guy has been writing for Sports Illustrated for the last four years. He's very well respected. All right. That's his opinion. How, How can you say you got outplayed in a quarter that you won? How, how is that possible? And here's the other thing people are conveniently ignoring. When the refs call unnecessary fouls that send players to the bench like they did on Jalen Brown. Did Jalen Brown touch Gary Payton Jr.? Did he even touch him? No. 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 And he flopped to the ground and they called a foul without even going near him. Called a foul. Draymond Green ran through Grant Williams, who they called a foul on. Grant Williams sent him to the bench. Mm. Then... Draymond kicks Jalen Brown in the head and they go, no problem. We're, we won't give you your second technical so they could keep him in the game. So, so what are you saying? You're saying that golden, they're trying to give golden state warrior, the golden state warriors, their fourth championship. Is that what you think? Uh, listen, facts are facts. And when you send guys to the bench 
because they get too many fouls because that second foul was called at the end of the first quarter. Mm -hmm. And you can't risk having Jalen Brown out the whole second half if he picks up like another foul or two or whatever. You can't do that. And when you're calling fouls on a guy, when you don't even go near him, Mm. that's outrageous. That's outrageous behavior. Well, I will say this. Uh, the, to me, I, I, anybody that thinks that the Celtics are out of this series is crazy. They're the I'm better defensive. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying I'm, I know you're not saying that, but a lot of uh, so far, what we've heard from Greg uh, Larnard and, and obviously Brett Siegel, they all believe that the Golden State Warriors should be up 2 0 and they think that they're going to win in six. And I think uh, Siegel said he, was, they, he thought they were going to win five, right? I don't think he specifically said that, but he definitely said they were going to go up 2 0. Mm. And Warriors at six, Warriors at six was the most popular pick that I know, that I've, at least with other analysts. So. But uh, what, what we have seen over the years is the better defense beats the better offense. And I think the Celtics, if they can figure things out and, and, and figure out how to stop Steph Curry or keep Steph Curry. Uh, you know, well, in the look, 20s, well, they you. can win. Well, look, let me ask you, do you think Draymond should have gotten a technical foul for kicking Jalen Brown in the head? Yes, of course. Jaylen, oh, Dr- so. Draymond Green has just a kicking reputation. Yes. Let's okay. just start on that. Okay, so, you're all go- so you're all going, oh, of course. Yes, of course. And the refs didn't do it. Why? Because they didn't want to put another technical on him that would have got him out of the game because he picked up a technical earlier for being a dick. Hmm. Right? Sounds about right. And so, and, I don't and like so, Draymond so, Green, so you're you're preaching to right, the choir. No. no, no, no. But this is what I'm saying, though: is you're you're not going to give someone a technical foul who just kicked a dude in the head because why? 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 He did it. It's his own problem, and you don't want to call it because you wanted to keep the. You don't want to send Draymond to the bench, but you want to send Jalen Brown to the bench by calling fouls where he doesn't even touch a guy. Didn't even touch him. Well, I, I, and again, I, I, I'm not a referee and I'm not calling anything and I'm not, but I, I do believe that the Golden State Warriors, for some reason, they get the calls. And I, we've seen this with LeBron James over the years uh, with the Cleveland I Cavaliers. An, I, I, I think it's an NBA problem. I think it's an NBA problem. It's just nothing but a bunch of Tim Donaghy spitting <laughs> There he goes. Uh oh. Waiting for Legal it. sports betting. Now they're doing more under the scenes with the referees. You you explain to me how you call a foul when you don't even touch the person, right? Because Peyton went up and missed the layup, so it had to be a foul because he flopped all around. So I call it, and the camera shows didn't even touch him. Mm. And then you're not going to call a foul for kicking somebody in the head. Mm. It's, Does it's, that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. And I think that the NBA needs to look into that. And I'm sure. I'm positive the Celtics are going to reach out to the NBA and they're going to tell them to investigate it. But because we, you know that you, after the game, you you watch the video and then uh, obviously those two minute reports. Yeah, I was going to say they're the dumbest things ever. Like <laughs> they like, send the tapes do, over there to them and they they watch they the video. Highlight while they do highlight problems in officiating, and it's good to like have the league go. Yeah, they missed this. It's about time. That one of these leagues, and listen, we could talk about this in Major League Baseball too, because I'm quite sick and tired of fucking Angel Hernandez every fucking oh. week, right? <laughs> and it, it's it's about time that umpires, referees, officials, whoever, hockey, basketball, baseball, football, any of them, they have to be to the same standard that you hold players. Mm-hmm. Have to be. Maybe Angel Hernandez should just stand on the opposite side batter's box. Maybe he'll have a better vantage point of the strike zone. I'm, I'm just saying it's 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 outrageous the stuff that they get away with. Mm. 
Well, yeah, baseball's always had that with different types of umpires, too, but definitely nothing as skewed as Angel Hernandez and the weird strike zones he has. Like, there's always been, all right, there's a little bit of pitching umpire benefits, hitting umpire benefits, because there's always different size strike zones, too. But, yeah, definitely nothing to the level of Angel Hernandez. And definitely not in the NBA to those levels of the extremes that you're getting at with the Tim Donaghy stuff and now this stuff. I mean... No one's talking about that, right? The, that foul on Jalen Brown sent him to the bench. Mm, it's, right. it's it's detrimental to your team. Alter strategy, and okay, yeah. Right, but okay, they get blown out, but it's really detrimental to your team. And if you go and watch that game, that's when the Warriors pulled away, when Jalen Brown had to go sit on the bench. That's when the whole thing started. And what sent him to the bench? A phantom foul. Mm. Snug says, I only say stupid things, yay. Peyton flopped like a soccer player. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible, but no one's gonna no one's gonna mention any of that because people hate Boston, and I get it. It's because we win too much. I understand, you know. <laughs> I mean, the, so people are just. I mean, the Bay Area's the, they're probably we're not far behind with the championships they've won recently. Well, Jeff, though, so. I have a question for you. I want to come off the NBA conversation, but um, what is, what are your thoughts to this story with uh, Deshaun Watson that he met with 66 women for massages? And is it? And what are your thoughts that the Texans letting him come to the team facility to get massages at the team facilities? Uh, do you believe these stories? And if you do, um, should the Texans be investigated? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't listen. I'm not going to comment on like legal matters or anything like that. And I will just say this. If you read what the 24th woman is alleging, he should be fucking thrown in jail. Mm -hmm. He should be thrown under the jail. He shouldn't be allowed. Dude, what he did to that 24th woman is so vile and repulsive Mm -hmm. that. You believe it? Do you believe it? Man, it's hard not. here's Here's the problem for me. Here's how I would judge this. This is just me. This is just my opinion. Uh, I'm not casting aspersions on anyone if you disagree. Mm-hmm. There's too many women who don't know each other, who didn't meet up and get their story straight or whatever, that have the same story. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a pattern with them. Did you it watch doesn't... Did you watch the HBO um, sports uh, little thing that they had on Deshaun Watson? No. You should check it out. Because it, got. I'm, I'm just telling you, when I first saw the whole thing start to come out, there were a lot of things that were really fishy to me, right? Like, like the lawyer. Okay, mm-hmm. I at the beginning I was very much like, well, I, you know, is it really a coincidence that Sean Watson wants a trade, and the team owner's next door neighbor happens to be the lawyer that's now suing him? Mm-hmm. And I was like, some of this seems a little fishy. Mm-hmm. Now there's so many allegations. Dude, 24 women. And they're saying now massages from 66 different women. And they were reaching out on social media, too, which was weird. It was random ones. Dude, it's just getting to the point where the fishiness has kind of gone away. There's too many women who don't know each other, who don't know other stories, who have, by the way, have evidence that they all met up with him. But isn't it kind of weird that this man, he needs to to hire 66 women to give him a massage when if he just wants to get laid, he could just call a prostitute up or pretty much go out to the audience of the, everybody would love to sleep with Deshaun Watson. Why is it? 
but he, he's got a girl, he's got a girlfriend or fiance or whatever. So maybe this is his way of cheating without having to like be outed as cheating. Mm. It's also weird. Right, it's listen, all like a lot of the same profession too. Right. Well, that's his move, right? That's yeah. his, you know, and I don't, I don't want to go down this road too far, but uh, look at the Asian spa where Kraft got caught. He wasn't the only one that got caught there. Shit. Nelly Cordes caddy got caught there too. No one's talking about him because Bob Kraft is the big fish, but they arrested 50 people from that one, one day at the spa. And by the way, has anybody seen Deshaun Watson's girlfriend? She's drop dead gorgeous. What would he want anything to do with these other girls? It just doesn't make any sense. His and by gr- the way, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's a piece of shit. Did he? Did you see the gift that he gave that cornerback or whoever that was? No, I didn't. What did, what did he give him? So he, he wanted the number four. So whoever was wearing number four, I think it was Greg Newsom last year. Okay, so Newsom. Newsom was standing in front of the media giving an interview, and Deshaun Watson made it a point to walk up to him and go, here, man, thanks for my number, and handed him a giant Rolex box because <laughs> he bought him a $100,000 Rolex for the, for the number. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have done that in the locker room in private? No, he wants good PR, like he's some sort of good teammate. So he did it while Newsom was giving an interview. Well, hey, hey, listen, <laughs> you want to give me a hundred thousand dollar Rolex, I'll give him whatever number you want. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Deshaun Watson, but, number 34. <laughs> that's fine, but they're teammates and you don't have to do it in front of the cameras, though, do you? No, he doesn't have to do that. And and again, right, it, it's, it's, it's made weird. a point of doing that. It, it's weird when you look at his woman right now and I, I'm looking at a picture. She's drop dead gorgeous. What the hell does he need? Any of it, did you do see some of the women that he was that supposedly is, is are threatened by him and, and he's gotten massages from and sexually abused them? None of them look like this woman. I mean, like, seriously, his yeah, girlfriend's a supermodel. Those, yeah, but that's a that's a terrible kind of way to like judge. No, I'm oh, not somebody lying. Uh, listen, because, I'm not judging uh, anything, like, I'm just saying. What is he right, well, do, what is he doing with these other women when he has okay, a beautiful well, woman to go home to? Okay, well some people are just sick. Do you want me to give you the exact comparison yeah, let's of go. what let's you're hear. talking? Let's hear. It. Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. He was fucking Perkins waitresses rather than going home to a Swedish model. Yeah, but he was also, you know, buying prostitutes and 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 strippers and and all that other stuff. He was paying and, them. Right, yeah. but but we're Why wasn't he doing but, that? He was he he wasn't paying these girls. <laughs> right, but this is but this is the whole thing. You're going, oh, why would he go out and cheat? Why would yeah. Tiger Woods cheat yeah. with a horrible Perkins waitress? The story is very interesting, and uh, I'm interested to see how this story you know comes to a head. But uh, um, I, go watch the is, HBO Sports Special that they did on. Be- uh, on this Deshaun Watson thing, and Be- how is behavior is a funny thing though. Uh. There's a pattern in behaviors though. I believe in patterns. I believe people just act a way that they act in whatever. And dude, all of these women have the same story mm-hmm. and don't know each other. Too much of a coincidence, dude. I also think the social media thing's even more fishy too, and that's going to be something that I think will be the next stage of this investigation because they that stuff could be wiretapped and tracked on the but between between phones and like I guess government stuff that could wiretap that and the social media themselves. How many deleted tweets and deleted uh, Instagram posts? He get doesn't seem too? scared about any of this because I think he believes that all of these stories are bull. And 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 if you watch the HBO, you know, real sports. 
the segment they did on this, and they talked to Deshaun Watson's lawyer, who, by the way, is a woman. Oh, okay? I know who would. Uh, far be it from any lawyer to lie for their client. And she's huh? becoming and she's becoming a star, by the way, as, as we know it. Uh, after that HBO thing that she did on Real Sports, um, she she's saying that they're not worried about any of these accusations. They're not worried because all he he admitted to having sex with I think one of them. He admitted, and that was because she wanted to have sex with him, mm-hmm. and he could prove it in a text message. There was a lot of these text messages back and forth, and some of these girls that supposedly are you know threatened by him or scared of him are the ones reaching out to him, trying to get with him and trying to date him. So I mean, there's proof on those text messages too that they're trying to date him. So I, I mean, any way you slice it and you dice it, there's something fishy about this story, Jeff. Uh, you can say there's something fishy about it both ways. Right? Mm-hmm. How do you explain all of these women having the same story? Well, and by and by the way, here's another fishy part about it that people will ignore. You know, every NFL team has a masseuse mm-hmm. on staff mm-hmm. for this kind of thing. You don't need to go anywhere else to get a massage. Mm-hmm. And why do the Texans allow them to use the facilities? Is another big twist. Well, that's what that's the investigation that yep. needs to be investigated. Because if that's true, they were giving Deshaun Watson every right, any possible right to do whatever he wanted in their facility. And if that's true, the NFL needs to investigate it, find yeah, them, and take away a draft pick. Yeah, I don't think that that's as crazy as you think it is. I mean, there's plenty of other people. I'll give you the famous one, the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Alex Guerrero got to go in and use the facility because their star player wanted it, and Deshaun was a star for the Texans, so they let him use the facility and 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 bring in his own people sometimes. Well, it's just not out of nowhere. It's, and what, like what did Bill Belichick do to Tom Brady's guy? What did he do? Uh they bought him a building on property and said, just do it and over then, there. And then after that, they told him to take a hike, okay? No, they gave him the building on the property. Go and look at Patriot Place. He had they, There's a TB12 right there because they built it for him. They were just like, eh, maybe not in the facility because whatever, just do it on the other side of the parking lot. And mm-hmm. they bought him a building. Well, yeah, that's what they did. Well, I also heard the story that they got him out of there. They didn't, And that's why Tom Brady was pissed because oh, Bill who, Belichick didn't, didn't want him there. But that wasn't even that's again, this is one of these crazy stories about like Tom Brady. Remember when, oh, he bought a house in New York, no. so he must be moving there. No, I didn't no, say dude, that. Like they, I didn't say that. No, no, no. But it was just, they, that story was out there for a mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. Right. But this that's another one of those crazy stories where they're like, oh, they asked Alex Guerrero to leave the facility. Dude, they bought him a building on the other side of the parking lot and said, here's your whole business. Here, make more money doing what you do. That's for awarding somebody. Mm. Well, I, by the way, uh, just so everybody knows, the Rangers lose tonight 4-1 to against Woo-hoo. the Tampa Bay Lightning, tie the series 2-2, to two, and Jeff actually had tickets, four tickets to go to the game. He sold them. Second made row, it, second row, baby. And, and made a lot of money. What, what did you make tonight, man? Uh, I got 700 apiece for him. Wow. Mm. Good for you. Four tickets, 700 apiece. Not bad, man. And they were giving to me for free, so all profit. Yeah, there you go. All profits. All profits. Fourteen hundred plus fourteen hundred is what, Speedy? Twenty eight hundred. Twenty eight hundred bucks. That's right. 
Jeff made it easy $3,000 tonight selling those tickets away. But I know. Now you. I'm regretting giving up my Dallas season tickets. <laughs> uh, that would have covered my personal seat license. <laughs> uh, how about this Metcalf thing? Uh, minicamp absent, unexcused. Uh, what The sources are saying now that he does not want to show up to minicamp for the Seattle Seahawks. He wants out. What does Seattle do? They don't have a choice. Trade they have him? to try to trade him. They <laughs> see what they can get out of it. Cause but the... now, now, but now this ruins his trade. You know, yeah. his trade work. No, it definitely is. You're not going to get a first round draft pick for him. It mm-hmm. definitely doesn't ruin his trade value. I think it does. No, he way. wants out. Great, he wants out. You know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a wide receiver that gets hurt for a team that's going to be a contender because you have is it six or eight weeks now that you have to trade somebody? Mm-hmm. It's eight. Is it till eight? It's so, you got yeah. all the way so halfway through the season. So guess what's going to happen at the trade deadline? They're going to be bidding fast and furious to get the guy to, oh, we're a contender. We need this. Oh, oh we can't let him have him. It's not going to hurt his value. He'll be fine. They, they may have to wait a little longer. They'll get what they want. They also have to pay him the money that he's going to want, too, though. And he's been one of those guys that has been talented but inconsistent, though, too. Do you trust it? Does, does the, do the Broncos have enough to trade for him? Because he obviously has a good relationship with Russell Wilson. Right. Uh, the Broncos are, are built. Their defense is built for a championship right now. Uh, they do lose uh, right now. Judy, we don't know how many games he's going to miss this year. With uh, you know, none. You None. don't think you don't think he's missing any games? You don't think the NFL no, is going to suspend him? No, because the Chargers got dropped, and it was oh, all okay. like a big misunderstanding. Was it a big misunderstanding, or nobody showed up to that uh, court case? No, no, no misunderstanding. The girl signed the affidavit, and the cops admitted. That that what she was saying was true. That it was like uh, he took her phone and did something, and it wasn't okay. a physical yeah. altercation or anything like that. Okay. It wasn't anything like that. Okay. All right, so maybe you move J- Jerry Judy and uh, listen. You know? At the worst, at the worst, he's getting one game. At the worst, okay. So so what do you do? Do you, do you try to bring in a, a Metcalf? To, does somehow the Broncos persuade the Seattle Seahawks? Will Seattle do that? Uh, you know, after I don't, getting... I don't think that's going to be the trade destination. Where, where do you think he goes? Uh, I'd be, I'd be guessing Indianapolis. Ooh, yeah, Indianapolis. They need, they need that kind of move with all the money that they seem to be hoarding. <laughs> they have a bunch of money to spend. They have assets to give up. They just got Matt Ryan, and they're dying for a dude on the other side of Michael Pittman. Makes too much sense to me. Mm. How about Julio Jones, which we're hearing uh, that the Indianapolis is interested in bringing in? I know they're he's going to bring him in. Well, you know Matt Ryan's there, and uh, they're, I, and I know they're really good friends. They like, him and Julio have played poker together and done some other things. Mm-hmm. I, I think Julio is just. I don't think there's I think he's much, done any too. gas left in the tank. Yeah, I don't think there's any gas. Uh, in the I tank. think he's done too. But why not take you know take a flyer on him, pay him five hundred thousand, <clears> bring him in for a million dollars? Well, he says like, red zone fate specialist or yeah. something like that. <clears throat> I it's mean, crazy. they could, but he's not. He's How he's not. falling apart as quick as he has. It's unbelievable. L- listen, I'm not. Th- th- I, what I'm going to say is going to sound wild, but just kind of keep it in the context. Yeah. He's not even close to what DK Metcalf is. He's not. And yes, Julio's had a much better career. And yeah, of course. Like right now, DK Metcalf is 100 times the receiver Julio is. Well, right now, because DK Metcalf is what twenty two, twenty three years old, and right, but, Julio right, Jones thirty three, thirty four. You know, right? But that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying career wise or whatever, but no, yeah, dude, right. DK Metcalf way over Julio Jones. Yeah, but you're gonna have to give up a significant amount for him, unless 
uh, he forces his way out before the trade deadline, and where you don't have to give up as many first or a first round draft pick for him. Because right. I don't, I don't, I don't know oh, if oh, you don't, you don't see an organization like the Colts doing that. You don't remember that they happen to give up a fucking re- first-round draft pick to trade for Trent Richardson? Uh, more that than, was the previous regime. <laughs> more than one first-round draft pick, by the way. That was Ryan Grigson, too. I, I wouldn't judge yeah, you, the— It was two first-round. I, round. I wouldn't yeah, you, judge Chris Ballard's metrics of making trades on what Ryan Grigson That did. was two first-round yeah, draft picks, You want to know what those speedy? Some organizations are just bumble fucks, and they're always going to be that way. That's fine. I'm so, just saying yeah. Ryan Grigson is, I would say, the exception to the rule when judging the Colts' player development. Yeah, they're not great at every position. Uh, they've always had good quarterback play and receivers and like maybe certain other things here and there. But, yeah, that, I would say the way Ryan Grigson's built the team is pretty stable and comparatively. By the way, and by the way, Snug, DK Metcalf will not be a Jet. Okay? The Jets are not interested in going after a free agent. They went after one. They failed at getting him, and they're not bringing in any other free agent. They have their guys. They drafted one, and uh, I think they're they're pretty much uh, set up very well uh, at the wide receiving position. They could be. Yeah. They could be. We don't know yet, though. You know, I mean, Denzel, Denzel Mims to this point, just to this point, not to, you know, is pretty much a bust, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they could, maybe they could. I don't maybe think they do. Uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, so far, what I've Corey heard. Davis has pretty much been a bust. Yeah, but Cor- been very, very Garrett good. Wilson, they, I've heard he's looked really, really well at OTAs, really, really well. And oh my God, we did. We, I know. Didn't but, we hear the same thing last year about Zach Wilson? And he came out and threw every interception in the uh, world, and everyone was like, "Oh, I heard in training camp, he looks terrific, dude." It's training camp. Wait till they start playing games. That's fine. But Elijah Moore looked dead. good. He looked good before he got hurt last year too. Terrific, but not everyone's going to do that. Mm. We need to we need to normalize not overblowing uh, trading camp hype. No, nobody's nobody's blowing anything. Oh, I heard he looked really good. He did. He did. Who cares? It's training camp. It's the underwear Olympics. Oh, he looked awesome. Just nobody guarding him and just running down the field. Body yeah, underwear Olympics. Underwear Olympics. The classic yeah. CJD Simone quote. <laughs> yeah, it's just so it's so dumb. Oh, I heard he looked good. Yeah, no dumb. one was guarding him. I don't know about dumb, but uh, whatever. That's your opinion, Jeff. I mean, honestly, uh, how about uh, you know who do you who do you think is the breakout quarterback this year, Speedy? Who, who do you? I think it's Justin Herbert. I think this. I think this is his year to really take, you know, take the young quarterback to that next level. I, everybody keeps talking about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I think it's this is Justin Herbert. And oh, and by the way. Uh, Cincinnati quarterback, uh, yeah. Know, yeah, but uh, I think this is Justin Herbert's year. I, I really do. I think the the off season defensively has been an absolute, you know, great stride for this team, and and they're bringing back all the other players. Eckler's going to be healthy this year. I think this team yep. is going to be fun to watch. They signed Mike Williams too. I thought yes. a bit much, but that was his favorite target last year, and he's going to. I think eventually he'll emerge into the number one too. I think Keenan Allen. He's been steadily good for a while, but he's getting older too, and he's not the same deep threat he used to be. He never he was still looked good last year. He was good. No, he's good. He's been steadily good the last five years, but I, I, I think Mike Williams, the season he had, he could definitely emerge into the player that he was supposed to be drafted as now that you saw it with Herbert. And the thing is, the consistency factor that a lot of the analysts we've had on with Herbert towards the end of the season have been mentioning, while his stats were good, the 
the up and down sways against good defenses will be the next step for him to take because that was a big reason that the Chargers didn't, I, I guess, didn't continue the sustained success they had in the beginning of the season. Not that it was bad, not that they fell out completely, but that'll be the next step for Justin Herbert to try to take that leap in terms of getting to that next level. He's already there in terms of the top, I would say, eight maybe, and then now the Chargers need him to get to that top five to get to be a playoff team because they have the talent to be. I think a lot of rosters, the, the Chargers like a lot of rosters on those other teams would be able to make that kind of thing work. And now they're going to make the other things to work to make the next step because the talent is there and they are loaded now and they just got to do the little things to get to the next level because the chargers, they've had these great rosters in the past and amounts to not a lot of playoff wins. How about you, Jeff? What are your thoughts to Justin Herbert taking over the NFL this year? Yeah, I think that's like an obvious answer. They've kind of stacked their team and, and Joe Burrow clearly making the Super Bowl is, you know, I mean, I think those are like the, the layup answers there because uh, I think they're the, you know, the most logical choices. I'd give you the wild card. I think Kyla Murray's going to take a really big step forward. Oh, maybe I, not, maybe, you know how maybe I not like early, Kyla Murray, so. Maybe not early on in the season, but when Hopkins is, comes back, you know, what, eight, week eight, nine, or ten or something Yeah, like whatever, that, they're, after I, they're bye week, I think it's week seven, so yeah. I think I think adding Hollywood Brown gives them like, dude, like Kyla Murray was good last year with not great options, Christian Kirk and old AJ Green, like that kind of stuff. Hollywood Brown there, Zach Ertz there, and then when Hopkins comes back, that could be really dangerous. Yeah, actually, I was looking at something on Twitter earlier today. Actually, Hollywood Brown's route tree was actually a lot better than I thought. Because I, I always thought of him as much more of a deep threat type speed guy. But he actually really improved as a route runner last year with the Ravens, who don't have the most sophisticated, I guess, passing offense with Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator. They actually made him work a lot more than I expected. So that could definitely help in a more of an air raid type offense with Kingsbury there and the route combinations they have. And, and there, there's an X factor in there that you can't just measure by route trees and numbers. Unfortunately, Errol, this one you just can't measure in numbers, right? But <laughs> uh, right, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> no, there's there's a personal connection and personal history. You know, they played together in college. Hollywood Brown and Kyle yeah. played together in college. They're longtime friends. You know, like, this will give them a really good one-two punch with Ertz being – you know, a really effective catch, you know, pass catching tight end there. Right. This could be really great for them. That's I the mean, trend let's now. Be honest. Let's be honest. They had okay weapons there before, but nothing Kyler Murray could trust. Can you trust Christian Kirk? Not really. He disappears. <laughs> no. AJ Green always kind of hurt with the toe and the whole thing. Now he's got one of his best friends there. And then when, when Hopkins comes back, he'll also have one of the best wide receivers in the league on the opposite side. That's, yep. a, that's a great combination when you who, can trust your receivers. Who won't you know? be on I mean, PEDs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just so disappointing that we can't measure player confidence in numbers. Oh, I wish we had numbers for that. You're no, that that that's a idiot. that's a whole sports psychology thing. That's a whole You're different. Such an idiot. Jeff. That's a whole you different really end. That maybe the numbers will be available for it someday, but not right now. I ju- I just think it helps if you're friends with someone and have a personal connection and someone that you trust mm-hmm. going out there and doing it. I just think that helps. Well, that's the trend now. That teams are doing that because they're duplicating. They, and now everyone's trying to copy the Bengals because the Bengals made it work for one of the biggest worst to first type things. That's not who they're copying. They're copying Brady and Gronk. They're two best friends. 
Okay, but not a lot of teams did it in Brady and Gronk's time, and then all of a sudden the Buccaneers did it. Okay, that that, that was the case. The Bengal, the Buccaneers did not have the same leap the, the the way the Bengals did, going from what four and twelve to a Super Bowl the way they did. The Buccaneers were they were they weren't a playoff team, but they were still a steadily good team, and they just needed a quarterback for a while. I'm just I'm just saying I think I think that could really help the Cardinals kind of maybe move to the next level. Maybe we won't see underhanded interceptions in the end zone in the playoffs next year. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I think everybody likes to blame Kyler Murray for that, and that's why everybody thinks that he is on his way out. But Kyler Murray, to me, he's one of my favorite players. I love the kid, and I, I would love to see Kyler Murray shut everybody up. But he's got to get on the field and do but it. But there's no shame in taking Herbert and Burrow because those teams have loaded up and gotten help for them, and it is logical that they would be the next guys. But – you know, I, I, I was just going to go with a sleeper, hmm. see what happens, you know, because no one's talking if Kyle Murray's going to be good. Is anyone mentioning Kyle Murray? No one's mentioning. No, Kyle just Murray. as being his training camp absence or OTA absence right now. Right. Because he Which wants no one money. cares about. Is there a, is there a quarterback in the league that is at OTAs right now? I don't think so. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> hey, let's talk about Cam Newton. <laughs> did you did you happen to see that interview? No. Oh my God! What did what he? In what did he I read before? Did he insult anything else? Before, all right. Before you rail on me for going, oh, you're just doing this because you love the Patriots. He talked good about Mac Jones. The quote is unbelievable because he says, "I'm still a starter in, the, in this league. I'm better than you know other starting quarterbacks in this league." And he's like. He's like, trust me, I love Mac Jones. He's like, Mac Jones beat me out fair and square. He's like, I'm not talking about Mac Jones. He goes, but if you think Tua can throw, you're stupid. <laughs> all right. As a Cam Newton basher and Tua basher, Jeff, what side do you take all that? <laughs> I'm going, this is the one unfortunate case where I have to side with Tua. Oh, have, it finally yeah. happened. <laughs> I've been I've been saying for years, by the way, that yes. I would rather have the the surfer girl that had her arm bitten off by a shark yeah. play quarterback for my team. Yeah, I forget her Cam name. Newton. I know you're talking about. I'm I'm going to stand by that. There's too much evidence that Cam Newton cannot throw a football. And while I don't think two is great at it, anyone is better than Cam Newton at this point. And Cam Newton's not. I'm reading it right now. He is not apologizing for anything that he said, and he will not apologize for anything he said. No matter what the league does to him. <laughs> oh, is he going to start typing in that weird font again? Uh, no, I'm just reading it right here. Some of the quotes that he has right here. And he's, he, he pretty much thinks that he should be starting in the NFL. I don't think he is. I think he's done. The great part about the whole interview was Channing Crowder calling him out right to his face. Wow. What did he say? I forgot about Channing, Channing Crowder. Crowder. Yeah. Channing Crowder, Channing Crowder was like, uh, he's like, dude, he's like, you really believe you're a starting quarterback in this league? He goes, I don't know what to tell you, bud. The proof is in the pudding, and you were terrible. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Forgot about Channing Crowder. <laughs> yeah, he's the, one of the hosts of the podcast. No, I, I remember him as a player. I haven't really thought I'm about actually, him since. Thursday, we're going to get pieces of the podcast of what he said, and, and we'll play it on the show. That's what we'll do. 
but there's so nothing good. like the biggest washed out quarterback in the league telling Tua Tagovailoa he can't throw. That's just beautiful. <laughs> Jeff, thank you. I mean, if cool. you don't think that that's poetry, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Absolute poetry. That some fancy boy in some stupid hat is telling Tua he can't throw. <laughs> Unreal, dude. Well, we're going to get pieces of that that interview, and we'll play it on the show on Thursday. So, can you get Can you get pieces of the call of the end of the game tonight and play it on Thursday? I would love to hear the Rangers lose again. Actually, we'll do it. That when is we not going to happen. We'll do it as as we come into the show. <laughs> oh, See, I gotta I gotta be honest with you, man. I feel bad for you because like you're the one decent Ranger fan. Do you realize the rest of your fellow Ranger fans are actually the most horrible people on the planet? again? But I I I share two team of fanhood with the beef, but I, again, I didn't know the beef when I decided to make decisions, life decisions on what teams I root for in 2005 or whatever. But you would agree. Almost every other Ranger fan is just an absolute knob, right? I would say besides the ones I know, I know from like my childhood type thing growing up, there were a lot of good people. Like I knew growing up, I actually knew a lot of Ranger fans surprisingly in comparison to like the other teams I root for. But yeah, I would say there are definitely a lot of crazy ones from social media and yeah, ones we've that have called the show and wanted Artemi Panarin traded at the beginning of the season. Yeah. What do you think about the Ranger fans, you know, from this network? From this network, uh, yeah, there's Horrible. a lot of disagreements. Horrible. And, and by the way, uh, Tyler, I haven't heard anything that Tyler has posted in the last couple of days. He's at a clan meeting. <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard he's, from he's, Tyler. He's getting, fitted, he's getting fitted in his new jersey. <laughs> he's too busy at home cutting eye holes in his sheets. <laughs> well, uh, he did go to a Ranger. A, 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 he went to watch a Ranger game with a Yankee jersey. The same Yankee team that he says he are horrible and they're not going to win anything this year, but uh, they have the best record in baseball. So I don't know. Oh, oh, by the way, the Yankees have no pitching either. By the way, he said the Yankees have no pitching. They're going to have the worst pitching staff in baseball. Meanwhile, they're on a record breaking base. <laughs> that can't last, though, can it? No, it, it's not. Gonna, it's listen, not going to last. It's not going to last, but. <laughs> It's not going to last. I'm not but... shitting on the Yankees, by the way. That's not a shit on the Yankees. No, I, I don't. Baseball. I, I, I don't. I don't think that pitching staff is going to be record breaking. But I, I, I think Cortez is for real. I, I really do. I, I think he's a real. The, he's the real deal. And I, I, I think he's fig- found out something. He's figured something out. And um, and, and what's his name again? Uh, Ty, uh, Ty, Tyone. Tyone was a number, a top Second two pick, yeah. top two pick a couple of years ago. So yeah, he obviously, was pretty good with Pittsburgh. Yes, yeah. before he got hurt. I mean, and 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 practically was given away. Pittsburgh actually gave him to Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman smiled to the bank right now because he he found these guys. He brought these guys in, and he was right. He was dead wrong. He was dead on on these guys. So the guy that's washed up and doesn't know what he's doing, and the game has passed him by, is Brian probably right now GM of the year, and uh, he. He has uh, arguably the manager of the year right now, who, by the way, if he wins 100 games this year, who Tyler absolutely can't stand, he'll be the first manager in his first five years to have three 100-win seasons. So kiss my ass, Tyler. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Stuck says, can you play the the clip of the beef sobbing and blaming the refs? And Cortez mustache is outstanding. Best in baseball. Okay, I just want to throw this out in the either, right? It is confirmed right now. Mm-hmm. Lightning in six. What? Why? 
because uh, MSG is booked for Game 7. Justin Bieber is scheduled to play MSG Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, June 14th. That's the same night as, if necessary, Lightning Rangers Game 7. All right, we'll hire Ryan well, Reeves to punch him out. <laughs> well, 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 guess what, buddy? The Rangers aren't going to beat out a Justin Bieber concert. Lightning and six confirmed. <laughs> now Ryan, Reeve, Ryan Reeves will get it, get a hold of him. And any of the healthy scratches, they'll, they'll combine forces and, to, and to get Justin Bieber. And before you think I'm making that up, go ahead and look at the concert schedule. He is scheduled. No, he MSG is. There's a story right now, and I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the what the Rangers are going to do if this does go to Game Seven. It won't. This is what I'm saying. This is what's going to happen. Bill Riggett, Lightning and Six, and Bieber's concert rolls on. Maybe that's what you can do. That's what you can get Beeb, uh for a gift. You know, Bieber concerts. Get knocked out. Yeah, just be like. Hey, man, I know you're sad. Do you want to go to Bieber? <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, for calling. <laughs> Suck it, Beav. Nobody likes you. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, with Jeff. <laughs> with Jeff insulting the Beav and the Rangers at the same time. <laughs> I'm going to get a phone call from the Beav tomorrow. He's <laughs> if he's watching this. I haven't seen him. He hasn't popped on here, so... Uh, he probably no. This listen. is too he's late. Probably, it's too late for him. No, he's pissed off about the Ranger game. He, oh, that's he, didn't, over, watch, yeah. he didn't watch the show tonight, but uh, he'll definitely watch the show on Thursday. Actually, the Ranger game's on Thursday, right? Oh yeah, so, yeah. We'll get to deal with this again this. one more time. He'll probably not watch the game, game six. Will be Saturday, sure. and then game seven allegedly will be uh, near a Justin Bieber concert on Monday. Uh. There you go. Um, we'll be back on Thursday, as everybody. I'd like to thank. Uh, Brett Siegel from uh, Sports Illustrated, NBA reporter and insider, and uh, thank you to our first uh, our first guest, and hopefully we get him on again. Um, uh, ESPN Chattanooga radio show host Greg Larnard, and actually a friend of Josh Silverberg's. Who would have thought that? <laughs> Maybe we have to have Josh on the interview too. At this point, <laughs> I mean, Josh is probably surprised, but uh, nice kid too. Very very nice guy. So uh, thank you uh, to Greg, and, and wish to tell Greg thank you for joining us. He mm-hmm. had a good time. Oh yeah, with he us. So uh, happy to have him on. Anyways, uh, that's it for our show. We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, this is Zero Marks and Speedy Petey saying good night. We'll talk to you then. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.